Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. everyone. Happy St. Paddy's Day. It is 7.00 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman is here with her Notre Dame jacket. I'm Randy <laughs> with my green shirt on. We have the, the wearing of the green occurring. That was what? <laughs> Can you do that one more time? The wearing of the green. It's a shame that Jack Flaherty can't go for the Cardinals eh? today. That was magically delicious, Randy. That was amazing. <laughs> Good work out of you this morning. Happy Friday Eve. Happy Friday Eve. Happy, happy St. Patrick's Day. Kind of dangerous. Yeah. That's a, a, a wicked combo, as they would say in Boston, <laughs> which I'm sure is celebrating St. Patrick's Day heavily today. But mm-hmm. yeah, think about that. Friday Eve, really warm weather, St. Patrick's Day. Some people are already turning up. I can promise you oh, that. Oh, there's no question about that, eh? And uh, by the way... Is Canadian? little Canadian because the Blues are in action tonight. Oh, okay. Great, great, great. Uh, your St. Louis Blues taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins over at Enterprise Center. It's a 7 o'clock face-off. 6 o'clock with Alex Ferrario's pregame here on 101 ESPN. Looking forward to the Blues getting back in action. Yes, I'm going to the game tonight. And oh, that'd be awesome. It's only the second game I've attended in person this season, but when Sid's in town, Sid you, you want to see one of the greatest to ever do it. And, of course, I want to see the Blues as well. But I was thinking about this this morning, Randy. It's impossible to have a bad time at Enterprise Center. Yeah, it's great. The way the Blues do the game day presentation is just so outstanding. Even if the team loses, you leave having a good time. Nine times mm-hmm. out of ten. And we know what the Penguins are. They've been that way ever since they got Crosby and Malkin. The Blues are what they are, but they're trying to find their way. And as some of the players and Coach Berube have mentioned, they're kind of trying to find their identity, especially on the fourth line this season. And part of that new identity appears to be Alexei Toropchenko. And Berube was asked yesterday if he knows what to expect from Toropchenko every night. So uh, he said that he's he's big and strong and fast. And so, yeah, he, he does know what to expect from him. Well, big and strong and fast is a good combo. Yeah, it is. No, he says he's, he's getting better. He just doesn't know what to, what to expect every night because he's a young player. Meanwhile, sure. the, the Blues will... What's wrong there, Matt? Matt's off to a, a rough start here. Yeah. It was, I, I, I Are you pulled, celebrating I, early? I pulled Baruby 9. I pulled the wrong Baruby no, 9. That's right, and, I, and, I, oh. and I was very confused because I, I saw you go into the audio and I was like, I got Baruby 9 in front of me and I have no idea what's wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> rough start to the morning for me. Sorry, guys. Oh, so you had the one from the fast lane. Yes. That was my problem. Goalies. That was my fault, everyone. God. I apologize. Well, what did he if say about the goalies? If you want to hear about Torbchenko, I got you. Should we hear? Should we hear about something? Let's hear about Torbchenko. Right, Why not? Cool. Let's I'm see what it. the Let's coach go. has for yeah. us. I think it's just about him continuing to get better, uh, a game and game out, and 
I think you got to just keep an eye on it. I don't can't predict the future on a player. All I know is that he's a smart player. He's got a good hockey sense. He's got great speed, and he's got great size. So he's got a lot of good things going for him. Which speed, is nice. Speed, size, and smarts. What more do you want? Yeah, he, so Sid, the kid's going to be in town against Alex Toropchenko tonight at Enterprise Center. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Looking forward to that one here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Cardinals will try to just make it to April 7th. Their first game, Michelle, is tomorrow. Cardinals' first game is tomorrow. Isn't that crazy to think about? It's amazing. What yeah. a fast turnaround. Yeah. And it's like every day we're getting some bit of a of health news because it's like these guys are just arriving to camp. Oh, wait, they are because of the lockout. Well, they didn't get a chance to talk to the front office. The players didn't get a, didn't get a chance to talk to the medical team. So now the question is, and Mike Claiborne told us yesterday that Alex Reyes had had an injection in his shoulder, and Mike thought that Jack Flaherty was fine because that's what Jack Flaherty said. And um, Oliver Marmol and the Cardinals are still doing their due diligence on Flaherty. Oliver Marmol was asked yesterday if he's planning on being able to break camp with Reyes and Flaherty on the roster. Hard for me to say with Jack until. Adam and his team give me an update today. I would say with Ray, as you're looking at that being really tough for him to break camp with the team, that'd be pushing it. Shoulder injuries are so dicey. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm the Cardinals, I wouldn't plan on Alex Reyes. I, I would say that like most years with Alex Reyes, actually, what you get out of him is a bonus. It, it just makes me feel so sad for Alex Reyes. Yeah. It makes me feel sad for Cardinals fans because they want uh, an arm like that when healthy in the rotation of the bullpen. Alex Reyes has been kind of the promised land for so many fans for so long. We've been waiting for him to be that guy, and you saw glimpses of it last year. When he was on, he was electric. Mm-hmm. And I just feel so badly for him that he's had to deal with injury after injury after injury. And then last year, he had such a great season and then clearly just did not have it physically at the end. It's got to be so frustrating as, as an athlete to know that from an execution standpoint, you can... Do it, but from a physical standpoint, so much of it is out of your control. Yeah, and the Cardinals, I believe, need to supplement. I don't think that they should. If I were them, I wouldn't want to count on their young pitchers. They know more about their young pitchers than I do, but I would want to get more of a brand name. So you're telling me you don't want another Oviedo experiment? Exactly. Yes, okay. Yeah. I, I would prefer to have somebody who have a kind of like Ruby with Toropchenko, doesn't know what to expect. I'd rather not have that guy for a team that expects to win the World Series. But do they still expect to win the World Series? If, That's a good question. If you're, if Jack Flaherty is an unknown, if Alex Reyes is not breaking camp, I'm sure they still have a lot of confidence in their team. There's still a lot of good to look at with this mm-hmm. team. But is that when the when the Dodgers are going to roll out the lineup that they're going to roll out? Do you really think that you can beat the Dodgers? I mean, now that Freddie Freeman is going to the Dodgers, and we can get no. into that in a second. When you look at the Dodgers lineup, does any team in baseball realistically think? that they're a better team than the Dodgers. No, you have to count on the randomness of the sport, right? Like the Nationals did a couple of years ago, like the Braves did last year. You have to count on the randomness of the playoffs if you're playing the Dodgers in the playoffs. Yeah, we're talking Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Will Smith, Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, A.J. Pollock. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good collection of dudes there. Yeah, so I, I'm with you. It's going to be hard to, to beat L.A. And you mentioned Freddie Freeman, a six-year, $160 million contract with the Dodgers overnight to play first base. He goes back to California. He's from California. So congratulations to him and congratulations to Chris Bryant and the Rockies, who forged a seven-year marriage worth $182 million. 
make this one make sense to me. You get rid of Nolan Arenado and you're paying the Cardinals to do it only to then bring in Chris Bryant on a big contract? And in the process, and you're paying the guys virtually the same. You're paying with what you're paying the Cardinals to have Arenado play for them and what Chris Bryant is making. He's making roughly $34 million a year. In Colorado, Nolan Arenado would have been making $35 million a year. But in the process of these moves, you've alienated your fan base because you traded their favorite player. Mm -hmm. A general manager got fired. You alienated a bunch of your players. You were thought to be tanking. And you get a guy who has won a ring, but it's a Scott Boris client and seemed pretty clear from the beginning of his career that he was waiting to become a free agent to get a bunch of big money. I just don't see Chris Bryant as being as motivated a player as Nolan Arenado. No, because no matter what Chris Bryant does, nothing will ever top what he's already done in Chicago. You mm-hmm. you broke the the most storied curse in sports, or at least one of them. Boston's probably in the mix, too. But what you did there is one of the most singular things in sports. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to touch that. You could win again, sure, and that might be gratifying for you in a different way. But at this point, it just seems like Chris Bryant is looking at it saying... This is a business. I've already gotten my championship. I've gotten the most amazing experience I'll ever get out of this sport. Now I want to get paid. And I'll go live in a great city, and my family will be in a comfortable spot. Sure, why not? And all the Rockies had to do was keep their promise to Nolan Arenado. When they signed him, and he didn't go into the open market, and he was one of the three or four best players in baseball, if they just keep their promise to him to compete, there is never a question about him wanting to be there. But they really kind of pushed him out with their actions after they signed him to the the extension. All he wanted was to win and for them to go out and actively try to win. The GM wasn't talking to him. How about this if you're Chris Bryant? Your franchise guy in Nolan Arenado is texting videos to Cardinals players in the offseason being like, please Mm -hmm. show this to John Mosellock so I can get out of here. Trevor Story, uh, the guy right behind him is like, how can I get out of here? Can someone help me? Can we Shawshank this thing? I've got to get out of the Rockies organization. And yet you want to, I know that the 160, what is it, 160 or 182 million Mm dollars is an incredible amount of money that can change a lot of people's opinions. But I don't think you're going there thinking it's going to be a great baseball situation for you. Not at all. No, it's it's a, it's a very good life situation in Denver. But from a baseball standpoint, I don't think that you can go there and reasonably expect to win. Michelle, last night over at Chaffetz Arena, the Billikens saw their season come to an end with a 70... Uh, uh, no, eighty-two sixty loss to the uh, Northern Iowa Panthers. The Kurt Warners. Yeah, the Kurt Warners. This game was forty to thirty-eight with forty-three seconds left. Forty to thirty-eight with forty-three seconds left in the first half. Mm-hmm. By the time there were six minutes left in the second half, it was seventy-seven fifty-three. So, Randy, you were there. Tell us what happened. It was just a disaster. First of all, Yuri Collins didn't play, and the Billikens just kept turning the ball over, turning the ball over, turning the ball over. Seemed like they had a little lull in energy there in the first part of the second half. Like, yeah, okay, this is it. We're done. And Northern Iowa just couldn't miss from three. There was a point in the game, late in the game, where the Billikens were three of twelve from three and the Panthers were 12 of 27 Mm. and so if either team would have had six three point or both teams would have had six three pointers if either team would have had six it would have been a game but 
If Northern Iowa would have had six rather than 12, Billikens would have been way ahead. Everything else on the scoreboard was equal. Same about the, the field goal percentage, shots. Billikens were out-rebounding them by a huge margin, and the Billikens turned the ball over. But it came down to three-pointers. That's how Northern Iowa won it. These past couple years are going to go in my what-if folder for sports because Travis Ford and Slew have had some really good teams, mm-hmm. but because of the pandemic, because of so many things that are outside their circumstances, I don't think that we've ever seen what this group is really capable of. No. Or, I, and, and a lot of the guys that had left, obviously, a year or two ago. Right. But And that was, give credit to Northern Iowa, that was a Schaefer's Arena record, 16 three-pointers. And Mizzou made it look better at the end than it really was with the 80-68 to final. First game in the NCAA tournament, Wright State. 92 to 82 over Bryant in the playing game. Bryant's Peter Kiss scored 28 points on 25 shots in the loss. Notre Dame over Rutgers in the 11 seed play in. Uh, Good night for the Irish to win, right? 89-87? Except that surprised me because Rutgers had been a team that had come and beaten a lot of ranked opponents. That's a sneaky good team. So I thought Rutgers was going to win that one. And Michelle, it's time for our Jason Tatum Minute. Let's do it. 26 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, and the Celtics are red hot. They clobbered the Warriors 110-88. to Now, Golden State hasn't been good since the first month of the season. Hasn't been great, I guess I should say. They've been good, but not great since the first month of the season. But at this time of year, doesn't matter who Golden State has going for them, they still don't have Draymond Green. You beat the Warriors 110 to 88, you're doing something, and Jason Tatum's still leading the way. And don't you love that when he goes up against the best in the league, that's when he shines the yeah. most, whether it's Steph or KD. It seems like that's when we're talking about Jason Tatum playing better than the, the other stars in the game. Yeah, he's really, really special. By the way, I have uh, on my Twitter page at Randy Character, I've got my wearing of the green uh, jersey tournament going on, and Jason Tatum is in it right oh, now. Is he? Yeah, in the Elite Eight, you can go to uh, at Randy Character on the Twitter, and in the Elite Eight, we've got the top seeded Oakland A's taking on number eight Oregon. I'm we've got right the fifth seeded Celtics taking on number four Hawaii football. We've got sixth seeded Notre Dame taking on the number three St. Patrick's Day Cardinals. Mm. And we have an NFL bracket, Michelle. We, uh, the NFL portion of the bracket, seventh seeded Packers against the number 15 seed Chris Long Eagles. Ah, I love it. I just casted my votes right now as you were laying all of that I out. Like that. Yeah. Good. Dude. I haven't even re- looked this morning. Who's winning? Uh, the A's ahead of Oregon, 68% to 31.4%. The Celtics running away with the matchup over Hawaii, 79% to 20%. Uh, no surprise here, Notre Dame edging out the Cardinals, but it's closer than some of the other matchups, 65% to 34%. And then the Packers with the biggest disparity over the Eagles, 86% to 13%. Oh, come on, let's vote for Chris Long a little bit. If we're talking green uniforms, okay, green I would say the Packers. the Packers are a little a little bit better than yeah. the Eagles. Big upset last night. The Eagles knocking off the Stars in round one, 51-49. <laughs> the Eagles were a 15 seed. People didn't like the Stars because they had a Jamie Benn picture. Mm. So I think that did it. Packers over the Milwaukee Bucks by a pretty substantial margin. The Cardinals eliminated the Minnesota Wild. It was Notre Dame over the Jets. Jets are pretty bad. Those, but those it is creatures. an iconic green. It is. Hawaii clobbered Tulane 65% to 35%. The Hartford Whalers lost Michelle to the Celtics. Well, I could see it. I mean, do you think the in Celtics a 16 do have a shamrock on their uniform? Yeah. 16 uh jersey tournament. Some people were complaining that the Hartford Whalers as a 12 seed were criminally underrated. Agreed? 
Totally agree. I think that the Hartford Whalers, RIP, one of the best logos and sweaters mm-hmm. in all of sports history. Yeah. Had a Gordy Howe picture for them. One of the best names ever. Yeah. Hartford yes. Whalers is really just good. like, yep. it's so 1930s. I, it's fantastic. <laughs> but the W, the Finn, yeah, it was cool. it's oh, so, good. Yeah. so good. So the, good. Bring back the Whalers. Come the on. Old school. NHL names are some of the best ones. The Quebec Nordiques, the Minnesota North yep. Stars, and the Hartford Whalers are three of the greatest names in sports history. And the fact that we have none of them is a crime. Yeah, it's, it, that is a shame. Oregon uh, knocked off North Texas in the first round, and it was the A's 89-11 to over Baylor. Okay, that's it. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN on St. Patrick's Day on Friday Eve coming up. We're happy, but you're probably tired of something. The weather's great, but you're probably sick of something. What are you sick of? That's next, 65780 on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take this no more. I am done. I am sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Character and Smallman are sick of it. All right, time for Sick of It, your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. If you're aware of why we do Sick of It, it's uh, an homage to the wife of St. Louis and Bradley Beal. Last year, he was scoring a bunch of points, and the Washington Wizards were losing a bunch of games. So Bradley Beal's wife, and I'm going to have to look up her first name, but she hopped on the socials, and she just put one phrase down, Michelle, after he scored 47 and the Wizards lost. Her name's Camilla. Camilla. Camilla Adams Beal. And so Michelle and I have different ideas of what the tone for the social media post was because my tone is sick of it and yours is sick of it. Yeah. Emphasis on the s- sick of it. <laughs> so if you're sick of something, text in 65780. For example, Michelle. Yes. Gorgeous, beautiful week. Perfect week of weather. Guess how many times Randy has swung a golf club? Is it zero? It's zero. That's funny. Because I, someone asked me if you were golfing yesterday. Um, My trainer at the gym, Paul over at the yeah. MEC, is like, oh, it's beautiful outside today. Is Randy golfing? I go, I don't know. I should text him and ask him, but I don't think so. I am just so sick of life having things that I have to do. I hate the fact that I'm an adult. And so I'm, I'm sick of it. It's so funny that you bring that up, Randy, because I was talking to some of my friends the other night and we were all talking about how we're all so burnt out, whether it's because of work or, you know, my friends now with kids of a certain age, they're it's like they get home and it's I have to cook a full meal for my family. We have to do homework. We have to do bath. I have to get you to practice, go to bed, wake up, rinse, repeat. And then it's just such a grind at work. We have this grind culture that eventually leads to burnout. And I think that everybody, whatever their situation is in life, mm-hmm. has some sort of burnout that they're dealing with. Yeah, no Adulting doubt about is it. the worst. That is the biggest tapestry of lies that we are ever sold. When we're in college, it's like, oh, being an adult is going to be great. You're going to have your own money, freedom to do whatever you want. No, I want to be like Billy Madison and just go to colleges around the country and shake kids' faces until they jiggle and be like, cherish this. Go. It is never. Ever going to be better than this right now. Right. So. I'm, Anything after this is downhill, kid. Yeah. yeah. So. Sucks. Life. Sick of it. <laughs> life. <laughs> Just in general. Life. No, I think last week I said I was sick of errands. You know, it's yeah, like. Right. It's yeah. like a never ending list that just turns over. It's like dry cleaning, gas, groceries, yep. cleaning. It's just. Ugh. Now. I don't even have kids. Let me point this out, too, because. 
you're probably driving down the road saying, blank you, Randy. But yes, I, I realize <laughs> these these are first world problems, yes, but that's what I'm sick of this week. But you can be sick of whatever you want to be yeah, sick no, of. that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm sick of? Hmm. Cardinals pitchers with injuries. Yeah, that's not great, especially shoulder injuries. Especially shoulder injuries. It just seems like every year, it's like death, taxes, Cardinals pitchers with mm-hmm. shoulder injuries. Yeah. And it's very annoying that some of the residue from the lockout is that we're now, right now, on March 15th, 16th, 17th, finding out the severity of some of the stuff that these athletes have been dealing with because they couldn't get in touch with their front offices or their medical staffs. And Michelle, medicine still hasn't figured out the shoulder. For Jack Flaherty to have have been dealing with this down the stretch last year and now dealing with it again, that's kind of troubling. Mm -hmm. You don't know what it is. We don't know what it is, but kind of troubling that uh, he's had an off-season to rest and he still has that issue. And we love sports because we love to watch greatness. Mm-hmm. If Alex Reyes was 100% oh. healthy, he would be great. If Jack Flaherty could stay 100% healthy, he would be great. We would be watching greatness with these two athletes and it's so unfortunate that health is what sidelines them from, from reaching their full potential and for us getting to see it. I would argue, and I'll have to look quickly, I'm not going to look right now, but I, I would argue that if since 2017 that Alex Reyes and Jack Flaherty were healthy, that that would be among the three best one-two pitching starting pitching combos in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. But the Cardinals have a, a real, like most teams, real bad batting average on their young stud starting pitchers actually turning into stud starting pitchers. All right, Matthew Rocchio, what do you got for us? We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but they're already sick of it. Putting my stock in Big Ten teams in the tournament and getting let down. <sighs> Preach, 618. But... I'm thinking this year might be the Big Ten's redemption story. You know, last year we were so high on them. It felt so flat. So maybe this year's the opposite. First game of the day, Michelle. Big Ten's going to lose. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Which one is that? It's Colorado, Michigan, Colorado, Michigan, Colorado State's the first State, game of the Michigan. tournament. I oh, think yeah, Randy's right, right, but at least they're not going to get upset in the first game of the tournament, Randy. That's true, yeah. I think that's the big thing but at you this know, point. You know the thing about Michigan is they're going to have a fighting chance. <laughs> oh, well done. That's good. <laughs> that was good. Uh, here's another first world problem. <laughs> Too easy. 636 says, sick of there not being enough time for golf. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's, and we, we have long days. It's not that. Well, the thing was, it was going to yesterday. So I, I had a luncheon that I emceed, and then I had a couple of other errands that I had to run. And by the time I got home, if we were going to the Billiken game, I wouldn't have had time to get to a golf course, play, and then get home in time for the Billiken game. So I just went for a bike ride. Another thing that I'm sick of is that it takes so long to get places. So, for instance, I drove to the gym yesterday. 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. That's 40 minutes in the car just to work out. Think about all the things I could be doing in those 40 minutes. But, Michelle... There's no place in the country you'd rather be if you don't want a long commute than what we have. We have the best driving situation in America. It's unquestioned. You're absolutely right. But think about that, though. If you're running two errands and it's taking yep. you 15 to 20 minutes, that's two almost two full hours that you're just in the car. No wonder we can't get anything done. You could be golfing, Randy. I know. I have a friend who ran a radio station group in Los Angeles and lived at a place oh. called Stevenson Ranch. And she was on the road two and a half hours to work and two and a half hours home. Five hours on the road every day. I, I wouldn't have done it. I would have gone nuts. Yeah, I, I well, and then she moved to the place with the second worst traffic in America in D.C. DC? Yeah. 
You know what else is really bad? Miami. Is it? Traffic, crazy drivers. People say Houston is horrific. I hear Phoenix really? is bad because it's gotten so big and they didn't plan for it. It's yeah, like the sixth biggest city in the country. Probably right. Nashville, too, then. I yeah. Would yeah. Well, at least oh. Nashville, though, I mean, I think the way that they've been building and expanding so constantly, it's maybe they're doing a little bit better at kind of handling the, the in, influx. I mean, Go ahead, Mitchell. I was just going to say, that's talking traffic here on Character and Small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just one quick thing about Nashville. Pre-pandemic. We were on a Friday afternoon driving from here to the Mizzou game at Georgia, going through Nashville, and at one in the afternoon, it was an absolute parking lot on a Friday. It was just awful. So, yeah, I would not want to deal with that. And that's, you're driving right now, don't take it for granted. It's pretty good. I'm sick of all the other National League contenders improving this offseason while Mo and DeWitt just sit on their butts. Jock Peterson was only $6 million for one year. Hello. We do have Zach McAllister, right? Yeah. Come on. It's not complete. No, we have much. the reanimated course of Chris Vonderhaar. Vonderhaar. Oh, yeah, Chris Vonderhaar is here. Or no. Drew uh, Verhagen. Drew ah, Verhagen, my that's bad. It, yeah. Drew Verhagen, guys. Yeah, our, our new starting, starting pitcher. DVG. Yeah, you just, uh, hey. When you're in a situation where Jack Flaherty gets hurt and you can just plug in Drew Verhagen, it's pretty unbelievable when you think about it. It's kind of like, you think about last year when the Dodgers had David Price in their bullpen. If they have an injury, you just plug David Price, former Cy Young Award winner, into your rotation. Similar. Thanks, Matt. I'm, I'm tired of people uh, disrespecting the, a man like uh, Vonderhaar. Va- Chris Vonderhaar. Verhagen. Uh, Drew Verhagen. Chris Vonderhaar, former Cardinal owner way back in the uh, old-timey days, right? Yeah, I think, he's, I think he was one of the first ones. Was he the first one? <laughs> he may have been. I think he might have been the first Cardinal owner. Why do I know that name and not Drew Verhagen? It's a very good question. <laughs> Bonder. R. There we go. Uh, let's see. Amazon. Why don't we have a Wikipedia for Chris Vonder? R. Maybe we, I just spelled it wrong. I don't know. Anyway. Well, I'm not going to complain. I'm, I've got enough to He was, sick. in fact, the owner of the Brown Stockings there and then go, the, the Cardinals. There you go. See, we got this down, which is nice. <laughs> we got this down, which is nice. <laughs> that should be a saying on the show. <laughs> we got this down, which is nice. Coming up next, we're going to look at the <laughs> south region of the NCAA tournament. Greg Amzinger at 930. He's in Arizona. So he's at 930 today, 730 his time on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The good news, we are going to talk about the NCAA Tournament South region right now. The bad news, both Illinois and Loyola of Chicago are in the South region. (laughs) Is that bad news? It has been, has been in the past. But let's start with the top seed, shall we, Michelle? It's funny you say that because when we get to that 7-10 Ohio State-Loyola matchup, it was it was a painful pick. We'll just put it that way. As I was going through those two teams. That's going to be a good game. <laughs> it really should but be. We'll go through it. How about Arizona? And they have had some difficulty. Obviously, Sean Miller was their coach. He was highly successful at Arizona for 11 years, but then got ensnared in that FBI investigation. So he leaves. They go out and pick up a first-year coach in Tommy Lloyd, and he leads them to a top seed in the NCAA tournament. And 
This isn't a fluke. They're a legit team that's five deep. They're great on both sides of the ball. They lead the nation in total rebounds. They're crazy on the boards. They're a really good team. I have them going pretty far. I do too. And they'll play Wright State in the opener, and we aren't going to have another 16 over one in this game. Arizona's going to roll. Just like I said, Illinois would roll last week. I was going to say, so should I change my pick now that you just predicted that? They're going to roll. I love to bet coaches in the NCAA tournament. Jamie Dixon is one of my favorites Mm -hmm. at TCU. They take on Seton Hall in an 8-9 matchup today. Michelle, I kind of like TCU in that game. I have TCU advancing, so do I. Yeah. Houston and UAB, an old Conference USA matchup. We remember the uh, Conference USA with St. Louis University. And again, Andy Kennedy's a good coach at UAB. But Kelvin Sampson, for all of his foibles, has done a good job wherever he's been, and I like the fifth seed Houston there. Do you? Because this was a t- tough matchup for me to pick. I have UAB advancing. Oh, the um, 12-5 upset. I do. It's a classic 12-5 upset, but I love Jordan Walker. No, not the Cardinals' Jordan mm-hmm. Walker, but their best player, UAB's Jordan Walker. He has two 40-plus games this season. He is a beast, and I think that he's going to be someone that we're talking about after this first weekend. All right, our next game is tomorrow. It's in Pittsburgh. It is Illinois against Chattanooga. A lot of orange. And you know, a lot of people are loving Chattanooga as an upset pick. Come on. Don't play yourself. There's a reason that Illinois (laughs) was taking it easy in the Big Ten tournament. That's right. They wanted to be rested. They wanted to get focused on their opponent quicker, even Mm -hmm. though they didn't find out about it until after the tournament. I don't know. I don't know what happened with Indiana. I really don't. But I think that we spoke to Coach Underwood and he said that last year, being a number one seed and going into this, that the team might not have been ready mentally and that they're going to come into this with a chip on their shoulder. Imagine what happened last year, being a number one seed, getting upset by Loyola and dropping your first game of the Big Ten tournament. If they're not angry and motivated coming into this, then they never will be. Exactly. Most of the experts uh, in college basketball basketball don't believe Michigan should even be in the tournament. And for that reason, I am going to take the Rams of Colorado State. Very rarely do I pick Rams and root for them. (laughs) But I'm going to take the Colorado State Rams in this game over Michigan. I am as well because I don't think Michigan is that good, which means they'll probably win. The next one's easy for me, right? Uh, Rick Barnes does a really good job of coaching, did at Texas. Mistake by Texas to fire him. He's done a really good job at Tennessee. They're a three seed taking on number 14, Longwood, which sounds more like a Netflix TV show than it does a college basketball factory. It kind of does. You're yeah. absolutely right. I love it. Now, Longwood. Well, I was just going to say, what would the premise of Longwood be? Isn't it a Western with a, like a love triangle between two cowboys and their their gal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought you over. were going broke back on me. Oh, no, uh, no. This is uh, like two real tight guys, but they both like the same girl, Longwood. Okay. okay. I was thinking more of like a Paul Bunyan yep. type drama where we're logging. And, oh, that'd be good. You know, maybe there's a murderer. See, I'm and thinking he of it. Hides bodies okay. in, in the trees somehow. That's I don't know. a great idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of Dark. Longwood as a name, like, you know. Bill Longwood. So I'm that's thinking the name of the force they're working. That's in. exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. Great minds. I was going to say they're working. Okay, that's where all the bodies are buried in Longwood. Fortunately, we won't have to have this discussion again because Tennessee is going to beat Longwood. <laughs> I mean, they had a run of 12 wins in 13 games leading up to the tournament. Josiah Jordan James is an absolute stud. Tennessee is a really good team. Michelle, oh, here we go. There are a couple of programs, and Loyola is one of them. It doesn't matter. They're they're mid majors. They get their coach stolen. Murray State's another one of these programs. 
and they always seem to be good. Dayton is one of these programs. And Loyola has become one of these programs. It doesn't matter who's coaching Loyola. They're a good program now, and they are a 10th seed, the Valley Champs, against the 7th seed Ohio State Buckeyes. So Ohio State, I've seen a few times this year, because, of course, I try to stay locked into Big Ten basketball. They're a really good team. EJ Liddell, St. Louis product, absolute stud. But I, I, I know the powers of Sister Jean. I have yep. experienced them firsthand. This is personal for me. And as much as I want to pick EJ Liddell and Ohio State, I think it will be a mistake if I don't pick Loyola because we know how this ends. Yeah, we do. You know, they've yeah, got Loyola's gonna win. They've got a pretty important sixth man. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. For the moment, <laughs> she's hundred and two. Uh, and well, then, I was thinking more about the Oh yeah, that's a pretty good sixth, sixth man. man too, yeah. 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 And then you got the two seed Villanova and Delaware, and Jay Wright and the uh, Villanova Wildcats move on, right? Correct. Yes, correct. Okay. So we, I've got Arizona TCU. I've got Arizona advancing. Michelle, I do have in the Illinois Houston matchup that I have. I've got your Illini moving on to take on Arizona. I have Arizona advancing over TCU, and I have the Illini going up against UAB. Illinois advances. Okay. And then, then the bottom part of that bracket, Colorado State and Tennessee. Who you got? I have Tennessee advancing. I do too. And then uh, Loyola and Villanova. So I, again, this may be a mistake oh, no. because I'm going against Loyola mm-hmm. and we know Sister Jean will I call do. in a favor. Yep. But I think Villanova will be too potent for Loyola. Okay. And then Michelle... This is when everyone needs to just stop listening to me because this is where Harriet the Homer Michelle, takes over. My favorite color is orange. So I've got Illinois, Tennessee. Do you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Who do you got? I have Coming Illinois. Coming out of that. I have record. Illinois beating mm-hmm. Arizona. We've seen how that Ooh, plays out historically. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I picked Illinois. That's right. Yeah, that we've, in yesterday. Yeah. I can't wait for yep. that rematch. We've, we've seen that before, and we know that if... Illinois, Arizona has to go against one another. This was a different year, different portion of the bracket. Still, I am a homer. And it could happen, Randy. Kofi Coburn is a matchup nightmare. There's there's so much talent on this team. That would be an awesome game, by the way. Illinois, Arizona will be a great game if they get there. Andre Curbelo could be such an X factor. He's so talented. He scares the daylights out of me. But if he plays a clean game, Illinois could go very far. Mm -hmm. So I have Illinois beating Arizona because I'm trying to will it to happen. We're putting it out into the universe. And I have Villanova beating Tennessee. Okay. So I have Illinois, Villanova, and the Elite Eight. Okay. And then who do you have going to the Final Four? You know who I have going. ILO. I know. So who do you have going is you, the better question. Which game is your who do you I, and Matt have I going? I think the big is the question is question. which game are you most nervous so, about? Is it, is it Arizona? Is it Tennessee? Is it is it a Vill- is it just a one two chalk Villanova matchup? What's the one that that you know worries you the most as an Illini fan? Which matchup? Yeah, they all worry me as an Illini fan. Are you kidding me? You just don't oh, want to see Sister Jean. That's the thing. The big one is you don't want to see Sister Jean. I also like you, and probably because of you. And this will cost me money. I have Illinois going to the Final Four as well. That's scary. Again, you're like the Andre Curbelo of picks, Randy. You scare the daylights out of me. I should There's probably, if I were logical, have Arizona in that game. They're really good. In fact, I should probably have Arizona and Villanova, but I like orange. What can I say? <laughs> me too. <laughs> and I expect to see you in orange tomorrow. Game day. Let's go. You bet. Orange it is tomorrow. So there you have it. And uh, later on, maybe in What's on Tap, we'll give our Final Four picks. We should probably do that, right? Well, we've given them essentially all week, right? We've but who's going to win the whole ball of wax? Oh, got it. Yeah, it's time to time to put it. Time we to can do that. We got plenty of time for that. So we can get made fun of later. Yeah, we can change our picks. Heck.
So uh, there well, you have it. They're also locked in at Bracket, bracket Madness on 101 ESPN. Yeah. Everyone should participate. You know what? You should Make join Make fun that. of me for being a homer and it's, picking Illinois. Or, but who will be laughing at the end when they win? Right? I, I'd like to apologize for my Elite Eight, Michelle. Okay. Oh, it's okay. And it's okay. I understand. You can just go to our Twitter page or uh, the 101 ESPN Twitter page has it. You can sign up to play in Bracket Madness, Pick'em Challenge. You have to sign up by 11 o'clock. It's brought to you by Twin Peaks and Bud Light. Fill out your tourney bracket at 101ESPN.com. It's free to enter. And this year's top score is going to take home a $250 Fanatics gift card. Got to be 21 plus and a resident of Missouri or Illinois. The first round starts today. Get signed up to play in Bracket Madness now at 101 espn Dot com. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Matt Rocchio is here, and we want you to participate. 65780 for the Air Comfort Service text line. And, Michelle, let's start with this. Take it or leave it. We see Jack Flaherty pitch for the Cardinals before June. I'm going to take it. Oh, I like that. Mike Claiborne told us yesterday it was just precautionary that Jack said he was feeling good. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be positive on this St. Patrick's Day. And I'm going to say we will see him before June. I appreciate that positivity. I'm going to leave it. (laughs) You're going to be negative? Yep. Well, I understand why. Because having a Cardinals player who might be dealing with an injury saying I'm feeling good and Mm -hmm. the team saying it's going to... Well, Mike Claiborne said it, not the team, but... Anytime you hear anything positive from the team, that's when I'm going to be very nervous. I'm going to put together my all disappointing Cardinal product pitching staff. And it's going to have like Alan Bennett, people that got hurt that didn't have a chance to live up to their expectations Michael because Waka. of injury. Michael Waka is going to be in my starting rotation. Oh, that's going to be an incredible starting rotation. It's I mean, going to be it pretty would, good. It could have been. Are you putting yeah. together a whole staff or just a rotation? Whole staff. A whole staff. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay, great. So I'll work on that during the course of the show. I look forward to that. Yeah, I might not be paying attention at times, so just beware. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So maybe we'll get that at the end with what's okay, on you tap. Got it. Yep. A little tease so, for everybody. Yep. Tune into the end of the show. Rand, yep. what, what are you calling it, Randy's all-time? All-time disappointing Cardinal uh, minor league, or Cardinal hyped pro- pitching prospect wrote staff. That dealt with injuries? Yeah. Okay. dealt with injuries. Yeah. By Bre- the way. Brief. I love it. Uh, hello to Alan Bennis. He's, he tunes in every morning. One of the really wonderful people that I've met in sports. Great guy. Mm-hmm. And man, if he could have stayed healthy, he would have been so good. Just a bummer, but you know he's doing well. Got a concrete company here in St. Louis, doing great. Amazing. Yeah. There's so many athletes like that. You know who I always think about that I think could have been one of the the most talked about athletes to come out of St. Louis or to come out of one of our uh, programs is Denario Alexander. Oh yeah, no doubt. That guy had yep. all of the God given ability in the world. Yeah, he was so talented. The Rams Park locker room had like 14 foot ceilings. They were huge. And he would just jump up, just walk into the locker room and jump up, touch the ceiling. It was Incredible. Unreal. By the way, can I start? I'll, I'll give you my ace. Okay, let's go. Rick Ankiel. Oh, yeah. No okay. doubt. 
Uh, what did you got? T- I've got uh, a teal. Yeah. So, um, we know that Russell Wilson is now officially a Bronco. We saw the family picture yesterday. Did you see that photo, by the way, that he posted? Yeah. It looks like a campaign photo, no? Yeah, it yes. totally does. It yeah. looks like a campaign yeah. photo. Like, I am Russell Wilson and I approve this message. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I mean, it was a great picture. Sierra's in the orange pantsuit. The kids mm-hmm. are wearing ties, bow ties. I mean, it was spectacular. But as a part of that trade, Drew Locke heading to Seattle. Randy, he posted on his social media feeds a note from Drew himself he says hello seattle officially a seahawk and officially pumped thank you for welcoming me to your great city and first class organization you have set the standard of winning i understand where that bar is set can't wait to play in the loudest stadium in front of the best fans in the nfl Mm. i respect the history excited for the opportunity to write more wearing the number two proud to be a seahawk drew take it or leave it guys drew lock wins a playoff game as the quarterback of the seahawks i'm gonna leave it I'm going to leave it. Because you think the team won't be good or you don't think he'll be the quarterback that long? I don't think that he can lift that team to a playoff berth. I believe that if given the right surrounding cast, he had a pretty good surrounding cast in Denver, by the way. But I think if given the, the right surrounding cast, I think that he could succeed but I don't think that that surrounding cast will be good enough while he's there. I don't think he got the shot he should have this past year from a head coach that was being unbelievably conservative and yep. trying to save his job. And so if you give him the right team, I, I'm, I'm with you. But again, what Randy said, Seahawks don't have the right team. No. That offense just isn't built to win, you know, 100%. You need, you, they need to, you know, get a running game. They need to get a better offensive line. They need to fix some other things. Yeah, the offensive line is the reason the other guy isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Right. He's getting murdered every game. <laughs> good right. And, good he, and, and Drew Locke, good athlete. I don't, But he can't evade in the pocket like Russell Wilson can. No. Let's get a couple of texts. 65780. Take it or leave it. Chris Bryant asked for a trade out of Colorado within two years. Take it. Yeah, I'll take that too. He's got He's got the contract. He'll... Yeah. He probably feels okay about it today because great city, that mm-hmm. those checks are going to cash for sure. Um, but after a while, that probably is going to wear on him like it wore on Nolan Arnato, like it wore on Trevor Story. I imagine two years seems fair. Yeah. Usually, Boris will incorporate opt-outs into a contract that long. I wonder if he was able to pull that off here. Mm. Well, uh, based on what I know about the Rockies negotiating history, I bet he got it. <laughs> I would think so, yeah. <laughs> Take it or leave it. My neighbors still have their Christmas lights up. I have the right to go take them down myself. Take it. Oh, leave that. There is not a problem, in my opinion, with experiencing the joy and the feel and the actions of Christmas year-round. This is a canoe without an take right here. This is 100% go with the flow, baby. So I don't want to encourage yeah. you to go to someone else's property and touch their mm-hmm. things. That's not... I'm not going to take that portion of it, but I am going to take your thought process that someone should take them down because that does bother me. You know, we drive early in the morning and sometimes I'm driving and I see houses that still have Christmas lights up and I'm like, what are we doing here? Come on. It's going to be 70 degrees today. Well, sometimes it can be kind of Hoosierish. <laughs> sometimes. But some people like for me, a little color blindness. Some people have like green St. Patrick's Day lights up. If some. Okay, that's totally different. (laughs) But if someone had the lights up year round and their rationale was everyone's happier at Christmas, it it brings a lot of people together. Mm -hmm. I just want to capture that energy year round. I would say, okay, but you know what it is? It's I'm lazy. I don't want to get out the ladder. I don't want to do it. That was Chris Ranji's thing. He kept his Christmas tree up all year because 
He was lazy. He said, well, you get to March and you say, yeah, I'll take it down next month. Then you get to the summer and you say, ah, you know what, I'll just keep it up because I'm going to put it up pretty soon anyway. He has his tree up year well, round. He has before. Wow. Yeah. I wonder where that that crossroad is where you say, we're where you just here. give up. Is it August 25th? When you think, well, we're almost in September, which is yeah. almost the fall. Yeah. I think there's probably a couple of points. Probably like St. Patrick's Day, March Madness would be one where you say, you know, that Christmas tree's been up for a while. Maybe we should get to the point where we should take that baby down. Yeah, that feels appropriate. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Take it or leave it. Due to recent injuries, the Cardinals are going to fast track Libertor at his detriment. I will leave that. Well, he's already been fast tracked because of the pandemic. Right. You know, so I could see him being continuing to be fast-tracked, but I think that they're going to be very careful with him because he's uh, clearly an important piece of the future. Well, and especially because of who they gave up to get him. Yes, exactly. All right, one more. Take it or leave it. Paul DeYoung hits at least 240 this year. Ooh, I like this. This is going to be our next segment, too. That's a tough one. I am going to leave that. Cardinals don't really care about batting average. And if the if the required... If the expectation isn't there for you to have a high batting average, why bother? What's their metric that they pay attention to? Is it OPS? They're big on the OPS, yeah. yeah. But I'll take it. Why not? He went out and apparently diagnosed what was ailing him, put Mm -hmm. a lot of work in to correcting his swing and everything. So I'll take it. I'll be positive. Again, I'm just so positive on a Thursday today. I don't know why. I like this. Michelle, let me just give you an example. Two years ago, and obviously it was the pandemic season, right? Harrison Bader hit 226, but had a 779 OPS. And they were they were thrilled. Marp, let me, uh, Marp, what, what did he do in 2018? Let me just get to his numbers. Uh, he took a bunch of walks. Batting average was not great. 2018, I guess it was 2019. Hit uh, 226 with, a, well, 2018. 257, that's fine, with an 897 OPS. But they are, they're all about the OPS, which is great. But I'm just of the opinion that it's very difficult to drive a runner home from second with a walk. (laughs) Makes sense. Usually if you hit the ball and get a base hit, you've got a better chance of driving that runner home from second. I would say 100% better chance of driving that runner home from second. By the way, side note, a lot of people on the text line upset at your use of Hoosierish because they're from Indiana. Well, this is a Missouri thing, and yes, I apologize. Is. We've got like four of those. And in Missouri, Hoosier is a derogatory term. It is. I Googled this once. Do yeah. you know why? Why? So when I was up in Connecticut, I used the term Hoosier with uh-huh. a negative connotation, yeah. as we do here, and no one understood it. And they were like, why would you do that? And I go, I don't no, let me Google it. So I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially way back in the day, there was a labor strike in St. Louis and the scabs that came in were from Indiana. Oh, and so we started using the term Hoosier as, a, as awesome. a derogatory term. And it just kind of stuck and okay. evolved throughout the years to mean just kind of low budget, right? Yeah. So I apologize to you. Because I know you, you, there are really good Hoosiers, but there are bad, uh, clearly bad Hoosiers too. But we'll find a better term because we don't want to get canceled by Indiana. <laughs> yeah, we love our folks throughout the Midwest. Yeah, Roger Saffold, an Indiana Hoosier. Trent Green, Indiana Hoosier, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we I like you people. Some people 
people embrace being a Hoosier, though. You know what I mean? Some people wear that badge you know of what? pride. They're in their car right now saying, oh, so now you're saying you people. <laughs> and I, would, I would say the people that listen to us, uh, there's a higher percentage that love that we use Hoosier in a derogatory yeah, sense and um, a small fraction that are from yeah. Indiana that don't like it. So just preemptively, if you're ever offended by anything that we say, we apologize. A preemptive, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Thanks for the texts. Coming up, <laughs> should the Cardinals have upgraded or should they still upgrade the shortstop position? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today. in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, after a great rookie year, Paul DeYoung hit 25 home runs in that rookie year. He followed up with a 19-homer, 68 RBI season in 2018 with a 746 OPS and then had a breakout in 2019. 30 homers, 78 runs batted in, had a 762 OPS. Since then... That great. Mm-mm. In the COVID season, he only hit 250 with a 671 OPS. And then, and that three homers, 25 RBIs. And he was highly affected by COVID. He yes. caught it. And then last year, hit only 197 with 19 homers, 45 RBIs, and a 674 OPS, which is not what you're looking for when you're a team that grades players on OPS. So naturally, with maybe the best free agent shortstop market in the history of free agency. Cardinal fans from last year up until today have been calling for the Cardinals to upgrade at the shortstop position. Our friend Danny Wexelman had John Mozalek on her show on MLB Network Radio right after the lockout ended and asked, because she's a Cardinal fan, if the Cardinals might go outside the organization to look at that shortstop crop. I don't think so. Um, I met with Paulie, prior to the lockout, you know, we told him we thought he could be our shortstop. We, we, we want to give him that vote of confidence. Um, obviously, there's going to be some competition in this camp with even somebody like Amundo Sosa. But in terms of, like, going outside of that, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense for us. And, you know, ultimately, he wants to prove he can get back to where he once was. And so, um, as I was walking up to... to jump on your radio show, um, I ran into him and, you know, he's super pumped. He said he's had a, a very useful off season and he's excited to show us what he's been up to. What do you think? Well, I think he deserves an opportunity. How long the leash is is another conversation, but they've invested in Paul DeYoung. It was a team-friendly deal. Mm-hmm. They've seen the all-star version of Paul DeYoung, and if you're the Cardinals, yes, he dealt with COVID, and physically he was not right after that. Then last year he dealt with the rib, and maybe physically he wasn't right after that, but they still need more output from him. But this offseason, he went out and was very disciplined in his approach to try and f- figure out what ails him and, and correct it, and he he has shared that he was thinking too analytically and he was too in his head. And so if physically he's feeling great and the Cardinals have told him mentally from a confidence standpoint, we believe in you. We're going to give you some time to show us that you're the Paul DeYoung that we believe you to be. I think we might see a different version of him. Many more times than not with this organization, 
they are going to go down the road with the contract. And this year, DeYoung is making $6 million. Next year, he makes $9 million. And whether it was Andrew Miller or Brett Cecil or Colton Wong when he signed his contract, remember how long it took them to send send him down when he was struggling really badly? Yes. Alan Craig, they, and Mike Matheny mentioned this when he was the manager. He said, yeah, the contract does have something to do with it. They play the contract. And number one, Carlos Correa, before the lockout, was never going to be in play. The Cardinals are not going to do a 10-year contract. But they also... Because of the DeYoung contract, they aren't going to go out and get another shortstop that makes $8 million. They aren't going to have $14 million invested in two players and three players that play the position. Because as Mo mentioned, they've got Sosa that they like as well. They just aren't going to do that. That's not the way they operate. They, They are going to go down the line with the contract and with what they believed when they signed DeYoung to that deal. Yeah, we have enough history to support mm-hmm. to support that statement. But how long of a leash would you give him if you were the Cardinals? Well, because Sosa is right there knocking on the door. And if yep. Sosa is not the guy either, you need to know because maybe then you call up Gorman and have him play second and shift Tommy Edmond over to Could short. Could do that. Number one, if it was me, it would be completely different because I would, I would not have been in the ten-year Correa sweepstakes. But if I'm looking now, and I could look at Correa and give him some opt-outs on a five-year deal, this is, I, I would be really looking at Carlos Correa. I think he's superb, and as. Greg has mentioned before, Greg Amsinger, and we're going to have him on at nine thirty. Carlos Correa loves Yadier Molina. And would love to play with him. But that's out the window. So let's say, what would Randy do with the knowledge that his owner isn't going to let him go into free agency? How long of a leash do I give Paul DeYoung? Yes. I'm I'm going to let him play until the All-Star break. I'm going to let him play wow. until July. Wow. Yeah. And hope that he figures things out. I don't like the small sample size of a month. Especially when a guy's trying to, to break out of a bad year. So I'm going to give him more time than that. And it's not like I'm not going to play Sosa at all. Or give Sosa the opportunity to play well and take the job like he did last year. But everything else being equal, I'm going to give a lot of runway to the guy because I don't really feel great about who else I have in my organization to play every day and be a player that could be a shortstop for a National League Championship Series team like DeYoung has been in the past. So last night when I was thinking about this, my initial date that I wrote down was somewhere in Mm mid-May. And then I thought, that's not long enough. Mid-May is not not Mm -hmm. long enough. But I was thinking about it and our friend Mike Claiborne always says, you want to know what type of team you have by Flag Day, which is in June. And... I was thinking by Flag Day, I would like to know if it's going to be DeYoung or Sosa, or at least be giving Sosa an opportunity by then, because I would like to have enough of a sample size of Sosa before the trade deadline. I would at least like to have seen both of them if it doesn't work out with DeYoung before that deadline hits. But then I was thinking, I don't know. I might need to give him more time than that as well. So I settled on June 1st. June 1st is the day that I would like to know if Paul DeYoung is going to be the guy That's reasonable. You you should be... Roughly 60 games by then, all of April, all of May. I don't think that that's unreasonable. It's enough of a sample size. You'll yeah. you'll know one way or another by June yep. 1st if he's the guy. And by the way, when we talk about Cardinal prospects, they do like Delvin Perez, their former first rounder who played last year at Memphis, his 
they they must like the eye test. I've never seen him play. But Mason Wynn, who they drafted as a two-way player, both a pitcher and a shortstop, is playing shortstop in the system, and he's regarded right now as the Cardinals' fifth best pro- or fourth best prospect, Mason Wynn, with an ETA of 2024. So that would take you through the guaranteed portion of DeYoung's contract, and then you could bring up Wynn in 2024 if that's the way you wanted to go. When you think about Paul DeYoung, Dakota Hudson is in this conversation too, guys that didn't really produce for you last year because of one reason or another, if both of those guys turn out to be what the Cardinals expect of them, this could be a different looking team. Yeah. It, Offensively, from a pitching perspective. Yeah, it really could. They, Those are the two guys yeah. I look at and I circle and I say this could be an X factor that swings this lineup or this rotation yeah. one way or the other. And by the way, just to go back to what we said initially, and uh, actually at Scoops with Danny Mac, Bernie had this point on his column yesterday. The Cardinals are not going 10-year contract. We we might hope and dream that the Cardinals at some point will go big long-term contract. I can tell you right now, as long as Bill DeWitt's the owner of this franchise, they will never sign a player to a 10 a, a, an outside player to a 10-year contract. They might sign one of their own guys to a 10-year deal like they what they gave Albert 7, but they aren't going to bring in a free agent from the outside and give him a 10-year contract. It's not going to happen. Well, the offer that they made Albert Mo even said that made me uncomfortable. Yep. And this is one of the Mount Rushmore guys of your right. organization that brought you championships. Yeah. And they offered 10 to Hayward. But you see how that worked out for the Cubs. Yeah. And I think the Cardinals look around baseball, look at the landscape and see what's happened with the 10-year contracts. And they're probably more reticent than ever to do it because there really hasn't been a 10-year contract for a player that's worked out yet. I wouldn't want to give a player a 10-year deal. The back end of the, you better maximize the beginning of those yeah. contracts because the back end doesn't look great. They don't work out. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues in action tonight against Pittsburgh. John Kelly will join us on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The St. Louis Blues and the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight at Enterprise Center. Michelle and Randy, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and into the Blues booth with the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you? Doing well. Hey, this Pittsburgh franchise for a long time, heck, going back to when Mario Lemieux got there in 1984, they've been fun to watch. And they've done a really good job, haven't they, of maintaining a level of excellence despite the turnover of players? Well, yeah, they, they obviously won a couple of cups with Mario and, and uh, then won um, another cup, I believe it was 08 or so, 09, and then back-to-back cups in 16 and 17. Rainey, it doesn't hurt to finish last overall <laughs> and have uh, Crosby fall in your lap, does it, right? No, not at all. Malkin. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, they got lucky in that area that, you know, the year they were terrible and they finished in last place that a generational player was available. And he certainly is that, obviously one of the greatest players in the history of the game. So, um, But aside from that, obviously they've done a really good job and um, have, have won five cups and obviously are a very fun team to watch. And uh, the first meeting between these clubs was a, a heck of a game. The Penguins won in come-from-behind fashion. So I expect Pittsburgh to come in here tonight. They, they're coming off a 4-1 loss in Nashville two nights ago. 
Randy, and they're going to be an angry team. So this is going to be a good game tonight against Pittsburgh. John, we got word yesterday that Tyler Bozak is going to be out for at least four weeks with that lower body injury. Who do you think will step up or get additional minutes in his absence? Well, Berube, after the practice yesterday, was sort of noncommittal. Michelle, about his, his plans down there. I would think they could do a couple of things. I could think they could move Sunquist to center on that line, or they could put Logan Brown on that line. And that probably would be the route they would probably go is put Logan at center um, with Torpchenko and Sunquist. But we'll see. Uh, but I would think those two players uh, would be the two that would would sort of t- pick up the slack uh, without Bozak. And that's obviously a big loss because they like that fourth line, um, especially the game in Nashville. I thought they were very effective. And uh, now you lose Bozak for four weeks. That's a tough blow. And, John, it's hard for players. We, we tend to forget that almost all of these players were the best players on their junior teams, and they've scored a bunch of goals. Uh, for a guy like Barbashev a few years ago, for, for Oscar Sundquist to adapt to a fourth-line role is not an easy thing to do. And I appreciate what's happening with Torpchenko here because he's he's showing that, that fourth-line grit that this team, especially with their style of play, needs. Exactly. He has been really impressive. And, and I know that, you know, again, listening to Coach Berube after yesterday's practice, he's really impressed with this kid, that he arrives on time and he's got great speed, um, isn't afraid of contact. And, you know, he had pretty good numbers down in the minors, Randy. He had 10 goals and 20 points this mm-hmm. year with Springfield. So he, he's shown a flash. He's come close to scoring uh, this year with the Blues. But I think, uh, you know, for most players, they have to come up and sort of earn their stripes except for the very top players, and, and that's what they've done. And, and you know, when, the, when Barbashev and, and Sundquist joined the Blues, they weren't, they weren't top players, obviously. And, and, you know, Barbashev had gone through the Blues system and, of course, played for Berube in Chicago. And in Sundquist's first year coming from Pittsburgh, he wasn't a very effective player. And, and he got in better shape and, and worked on his skating and then became a very effective player. And, you know, Randy, maybe the best example of that is Alexander Steen, a guy who sure. was always a top six player. And then Berube came to him in the cup year and said, I need you to play um, on this, if you want to call it a checking line, this line with Barbashev and Sundquist. And Steen didn't hesitate. He said, okay, and, and sort of the rest is history. So um, it, it's not just, you know, you go out there and play four or five minutes or whatever. It's a, it's a very valuable part of the Blues makeup, especially the way Coach Bruby likes to coach. So it's a big role, and obviously um, the Blues put a lot of stock in what their fourth line does on a nightly basis. John, it's St. Patrick's Day, which means that that March 21st trade deadline is right around the corner. Ben Sherratt off the board. He's headed to the Panthers for a big haul. Do you still expect the Blues to be active at the trade deadline? Well, I would think they would be, but, you know, again, we're not sure. We're not in Doug Armstrong's head. We're not sure what he's willing to give up. Obviously, he wasn't willing to give up a first-rounder and a top prospect. That's what the Florida Panthers gave up for for Ben Sherratt. So I I can't say I blame uh, the the GM because that's a heavy price to pay. But we'll see what happens. There are certainly a lot of players out there. You know, the history of Doug Armstrong, as you guys know, is that he doesn't tend to make deals for rental players. It's, It's more for players with term. The one exception really was when they got Ryan Miller from the Buffalo Sabres a few years ago. And, you know, Miller played pretty well coming into St. Louis. And then 
he just couldn't win a series. The Blues were up 2 nothing in that first round against Chicago and lost, and then Miller moved on to Anaheim. Uh, but again, the trend is for him to get players with terms, so we'll see what happens, you know, because there are some really good players out there um, that are available. Uh, I don't need to tell you the names, but Chikrin and, and Lindholm of Anaheim, to name a couple. Um, and, and obviously Chikrin has a very, very favorable contract. So, But those trades are hard to make because they have to make a hockey trade. So, um, But I expect that, to, to answer your question, I would expect they'll make some kind of move, um, but we'll see what happens here in the next five days. And, J.K., as we've seen in the past, and the most notable example was when the Blues made their move for Garth Butcher back in, uh, in 90-91, but... A lot of times moves like Colorado is making right now affect the the chemistry of a good team. I'm not saying it's going to, but when you are rolling like that, sometimes the best thing to do is just to let the players play. Yeah, there are two schools of thought, Randy, and I was there that day in Hartford when the Blues traded four players for two. And in hindsight, it was a horrendous trade. The Blues were in first place overall at the time, as you know. Um, but, you know, Brian Sutter was in love with Garth Butcher, and, and they got Garth Butcher and Dan Quinn, and then they had to trade some really key players that um, had been effective for the Blues, and Mameso, Ronning, Cortnall. I don't need to tell you guys who they traded. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a, but, you know, so that was, that you're trading four players off a team that was in first place overall. That makes no sense. But, you know, Colorado has now added a, a couple players, um, including Sturm from Minnesota, and, and of course, Manson, from Anaheim. So, yeah, you know, if they keep, you know, making more moves and, you know, the reports out there are that they're not done, yeah, you can upset the chemistry. Um, that obviously is any, you know, anytime you do that kind of thing, it could be a risk. Um, but it's not four players in one trade. That's obviously a, that's obviously a huge chemistry experiment, Randy, that went mm-hmm. bad. There is no more Irish family in St. Louis than the Kelly family. So, John, tonight, will you be wearing a green jacket? Do you have a shamrock <laughs> lapel? What do we have going on for uh, St. Patty's Day? I don't have a green jacket, Randy. I'll have to dig deep in the wardrobe <laughs> to find, you know, some nice green ties and stuff like that. <laughs> I actually have a green bow tie. Maybe I'll bring that one out Ooh. of the, the back of the closet for tonight's game. But, yeah, i got to wear some green. My name's Kelly. My goodness, right? No, no question. Hey, have a happy St. Paddy's Day. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be tuned in. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, J.K. That is the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports, John Kelly. We need the green bow tie from J.K. Green, yeah, no question about it. would be perfect for tonight. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got kids named Patrick and Megan. I yeah, mean, come on. He is a, his dad's got a shamrock up in the band, uh, up in the rafters. That's right? what I was thinking. <laughs> That's John. Great to have uh, him with us every Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we have the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and small men. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's 
It is time to fight. A St. Patrick's Day fight here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. I said that, but it's not really a St. Patrick's Day themed fight. It's more of a tournament fight. Yeah, fight. I, I, I honestly, yesterday I was 100% tournament mind. When I woke up this morning, I didn't even put on any green. I did not even have St. I did not have St. Patty's Day on the mind. I had Thursday, March 17th on the mind. It's okay. You're a paisan. It's not, exactly. it's not a day for us. You know what I mean? <laughs> they got, you know, the colors are just a little bit off on the flag. I don't own a lot of green, but I do own, surprisingly, a lot of Notre Dame gear. Shout out to my buddy Tommy Reese, offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, who hooked me up with some. So this morning I was trying to find some green and didn't have any, so I threw in a Notre Dame shirt. So I figured that plays, right? Fighting Irish, St. Patrick's Day. Anyway, yeah, that works. back to the fight, back to the fight. So yesterday, Rob was Randy's challenger. It was a 2-2 fight. It went to the tiebreaker round. And Rob wasn't just closest to the pin. He got the tiebreaker question on the money. He was our champion, which means he's back today to defend his title and get one step closer towards the Hall of Fame. Good morning, Rob. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. How does it feel to be a champion, Rob? It feels real good. Real good. I, yeah, I'm a bit shocked, and I, I'm real excited to lose today. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you got to have more confidence, Rob. This same thing happened no, yesterday. No, you set the bar real low. This way, if you don't succeed, you, you met goals. And if you do succeed, fantastic. Okay. I like that thought process. Well, let's jump in. Question number one for you, Rob. Reigning champion, Rob, here on 101 ESPN. Who scored the last hat trick for the St. Louis Blues? Is it our guy David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, or Nathan Walker? Um, let's go with David Perron. What is the furthest round a first four team has advanced in the NCAA tournament, also known as the play-in teams? What is the furthest round a first four play-in team has advanced in the NCAA tournament? Is it the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, or the Final Four? Um, let's go with Sweet 16. Question number three, Rob, which NCAA program has been involved in the five highest scoring games in tournament history? Is it UNLV, Loyola Marymount, or UCLA? Um, uh, we'll go with UCLA. And happy birthday to Mia Hamm, who scored one of the five shootout goals in the final of the 1999 FIFA Women's Cup to defeat what country? Was that China, Germany, or Brazil? You said that was 1995? 1999. The very famous famous celebration after the shootout by the women's national team. Um, Let's go with, oh, Germany. Okay. Checking Rob's score here. Yep. Waving in Randy. Boy, did I love me some Mia Hamm growing up. Yeah, I thought you liked that question. Oh, my gosh. When I saw her on the birthday list, I was like, I got I to gotta come gotta. up with something here. I had Mia Hamm posters all over my room. That 99 <laughs> women's team was my jam. And we have St. Louis City SC in the in the Sports Center update with the new goalkeeper signing, so I had to, I had to roll with it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I even used Herbal Essence's shampoo because Mia Hamm endorsed <laughs> really? it. The green bottle, I'll never forget it. I remember saying to my mom, I need Herbal Essence's. Mia Hamm approved. I thought maybe if I used her shampoo, it would make me more talented on the soccer field. Uh-huh. Didn't work, but you know, got to try yeah, it. it. Got to try it. Randy, say good morning to Rob. You're remember him he beat you yesterday in the tiebreaker round rob welcome back great to have you with us how you doing i'm doing very good thank good. you thanks for listening thanks for playing are you ready i'm ready okay question number one for randy who scored the last hat trick for the st louis blues last hat trick for our blues mm-hmm. hmm. 
maybe David Perron. Um, let's see. I don't. I don't think Bucci has one. Um, so I will. Uh, let's see. Somebody got an empty netter to get a hat trick, didn't they? Um, I'll, I'll go with, they were trying to get Perron one in Chicago and didn't. So I, I guess I better do the lifeline just to make sure. David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly, Nathan Walker. Oh, Nadub. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it kind of was Nadub. Final answer? Yeah. Stop trying to make Nadeb happen. It's not yeah, that's, going to happen. That is the, that is the simplest well, nickname I've ever heard luckily, for a player. Luckily for me, he's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, what is the furthest round a first four play-in team has advanced in the NCAA tournament? Final four. Which NCAA program has been involved in the five highest scoring games in tournament history? The five highest. Correct. Okay. I don't know if Loyola Marymount has played in enough. They played in a lot of high-scoring games. UCLA has played so much defense. I might be inclined. Well, you know what? I'm going to go UNLV. All right, and happy birthday to Mia Hamm, who scored one of the five shootout goals in the final of the 1999 Women's FIFA World Cup to defeat what country? Five shootout goals? Yeah, the United States went five for five. The opposing country went to four for five. Um, So this was the Brandy Chastain game. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it would be China. Who with that? Rob beat Randy yesterday. If he wins today, that means he comes back tomorrow for his chance at the Hall of Fame. Will he get that chance? Yeah. Matt, ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. My machine's not working today. Just win, baby. Just win, Just baby. Win, baby. <laughs> the machine's not working today. What? Breaking no, news. Not here. Uh, all I do is women, women, women. <laughs> anyway, Rob, I'm so sorry. Randy beat you three to nothing. Tough fight today. Ooh. Three to nothing. Ooh, that's that's not great. <laughs> As most says, not great. But hey, you, it's your second day, so it's all good. So let's go back to the top here. Nadub, as Randy calls him. Also known as Nathan Walker, his government yeah, Nathan name. Nathan W. Yeah, yeah. So, Nathan so. Walker scored the last hat trick for the St. Louis Blues, December 9th, twenty twenty one, versus Detroit. It was a six to two win. As you remember, they were trying to get David Perron one yep, a couple Sundays Chicago, ago, yeah. and Chicago didn't work. So, since I knew that, can we give Nate up a little traction? No. Okay. <laughs> I think even mentioning it on this show has given it too much traction. <laughs> you know, it does have a weird ring to it. Like, yeah. I hate it, but I also hate it so much I kind of love it. You know what it is? Nadeb is the new MARP. Like, I hated yeah, right. MARP. Yep. I hated MARP, but now he's MARP. He's just MARP. Anyway, the furthest round a first four team has advanced in the NCAA tournament is the Final Four. It's happened twice. VCU in 2011 and UCLA in 2021. The NCAA NCAA 
play program that has been involved in the five highest scoring games in tournament history is Loyola Marymount. Oh, it was. How Loyola about that? Marymount. My first so, guess. Here's the list here. Thank you, Matt. 149-115 versus Michigan. 119-115 versus Wyoming. 131-101 versus UNLV. 121-01 versus, I can't read Arkansas. This. Arkansas. Thank you. And then 123-97 versus, I'm assuming that's UNC? UNC. That was unbelievable. Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. And Hank Gathers tragically died on the court. But... They were unbelievable. Paul Westhead was their coach, and I just didn't think that they had played in enough games to be have the five highest scoring games. But they, boy, were they fun to watch. Yeah, Loyola Marymount. And happy birthday to Michelle Smallman, childhood hero, Mia Hamm. She scored one of the five shootout goals in the final of the 99 FIFA Women's World Cup to, to be, defeat China 5-4. to four. We all remember that iconic Brandy Chastain moment. Rob, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a wonderful full St. Patrick's Day. Thank you. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Appreciate it. That is Rob on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to former SLU assistant Paul Biancardi about the NCAA tournament and what his thoughts are on the upper echelon of what St. Louis University could be. Former assistant to Rick Majerus at SLU. Paul Biancardi knows it all. He's next on 101 ESPN. To the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. It's coming up, NHL trade deadline coming up on Monday. And Jeremy Rutherford joins us. We're going to talk to Paul Biancardi of ESPN coming up at 9.15. Talk a little NCAA with him. Michelle, Randy, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our Blues Insider from The Athletic is the one and only Jeremy Rutherford. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning and happy St. Patrick's Day. Are you wearing green right now? I actually am not. I just walked into the gym and everybody's got green on and I feel naked. <laughs> well, don't get naked in the gym. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. <laughs> so the the Penguins are in town tonight, and the Blues have several games before they play or before they have the deadline, the the trade deadline on Monday. And Jr., uh, we still aren't uh, the, the media. Those of you that cover the Blues on a daily basis still not in the dressing room, correct, on a regular basis. So you don't really get the read of the the nerves that players are experiencing. But just give us, because of your history being around the club, what it's like in the days leading up to a trade deadline. Yeah, I think there's definitely uh, an awareness in that locker room. You know, I think where you get the most information on that topic, Randy, is when you talk to players uh, a year or two, three years, even after their careers, about what trade deadline was like. And they'll tell you, you know, a little bit more detail than they would if they were uh, going through it uh, like the the next couple days. And they all have said, yeah, guys are reading, guys are listening, guys see social media, you know, in this last generation. And uh, and they're definitely aware that something's going to happen. And you know, does it lead to the play uh, on the ice being different? Guys picking up their game in the weeks before the trade deadline? It possibly could, but I've definitely heard some stories about guys being worried about getting moved and just all the logistics with the family and, and that stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, there's got to be a couple of players on this Blues roster who are thinking that leading up to Monday. 
Absolutely, JR. And a target that a lot of Blues fans had their hopes set on was Ben Sherratt, but the Canadians are sending him to the Panthers for quite a big haul. Tell us what you know about the Blues' interest and involvement here. How interested were they in Sherratt, and how far were they willing to go? I think they were heavily interested. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say top target, but he just plays a different style than the rest of the guys on the board. And so if the Blues, uh, which they did, identified that style as the, what they wanted to add to their team, you know, he was their guy. But unfortunately for the Blues, there were several other teams that were involved in this, as many as uh, 8 to 10 in the past couple weeks. And then Florida, you know, ponied up. They give up the first-round pick not 2022, but a 2023 first-round pick, and that draft is said to be even better. And then they give up the fourth-round pick and also a, a prospect who's in college that's got a ton of talent, too. So if, if you're the St. Louis Blues, it was a first-round pick plus, and I don't think many fans were uh, in favor of the team doing that. So, you know, I don't see many people upset that the Blues lost out on Ben Sherratt today, but uh, there's a lot of trust in Doug Armstrong with this fan base, as we all know, and, and they feel like he's going to be able to get something done. The unfortunate part is when a big package goes for Ben Schrott like that, if you're a team like the Blues looking for a defenseman, that price just went up on a few of those other guys. And, Jr. a couple of things. Number one, as you mentioned yesterday in the fast lane, with the fact that the Blues are older with people like O'Reilly and Shen and Tarasenko, they really can't afford to give up essentially an entire draft. That's exactly right. And here's the way I see it. You have Shen, you have Krug, you have Falk, you have uh, even Bennington. You have a number of these guys who are early on in these long-term contracts. And so we all look at the second half, the back half of those deals, and we say, gosh, you know, that player is going to be 33, 34, 35. What kind of shape are the Blues going to be in, you know, with their roster and with their cap at that point? So guess what you need at that point? You need young players who've spent the past, previous years developing, ready to come in, you know, like a Jordan Cairo, like a Robert Thomas. Well, that means you got to be drafting them right about now to have those guys ready. And so that's why you can't just throw first round picks around just to bring in any guy. And, and so if, the, if it makes sense, you know, if it's a Hampus Lindholm or it's a Jacob Chikrin, you're going to get some term with a guy like Chikrin. You know, I think that could be worth it because you do have that championship window open now just have to be careful because, Randy, like you said, you need those young guys in a few years. Jerry, you just threw out a couple names there, but with Sherratt off the table, what other names are on the board for the Blues? Where do they go from here? Well, I think the one thing, even though, you know, I mentioned that uh, Sherratt was a guy who, you know, they like his style and they felt like that's what he brings. You know, Chikrin may not be that type of guy. In fact, he's not the Sherratt guy. So, you know, do the Blues say, okay, well, maybe we're not as hung up on the style that we want. We still want a quality defender. This guy, Chikrin's got some term. He's got a few years left on that contract. You know, the salary is good. You know what? Let's take the plunge and do that. But two things. The price was already high on uh, Jacob Chikrin because Arizona doesn't have to move him, Michelle. Uh, and then secondly, you know, after the Sherratt deal, the price goes up even more, I think so. So uh, it's just going to be expensive, whatever you do. And then you look at uh, Hampus Lindholm. He might be the best uh, defenseman in the entire bunch on the free agent market. So, you know, again, you're talking first-round picks. You're talking top prospects. You know, you're not talking Tyrus and Thomases. Those guys are untouchable. But you're talking Jake Neighbors. You're talking Zach Bolduks, uh, some, some really top-tier prospects. JR, what's your read on the Sharks defenseman Middleton, who apparently has been made available and is only a $750,000 cap hit? Yeah, I think that he could be a good fit. He plays in the Sharks' top four uh, I think that he could bring the element uh, that the Blues want. He's kind of a, a real good story. 
you know, he goes in there, you know, not with high expectations, you know, as you can see by the contract just being 750000 but he's played really well. So there's the type of guy who's overachieved the contract. So if you're in the Blues position, it works great because he can come in, help you out, and it's not going to be a huge hit on the cap. You're not going to have to move a ton out. So I think the way I see Middleton, he's in that group uh, with a, a few other guys around the league, kind of that second tier. But in this situation, the guys who lost out on – Sharat, uh, the guys who don't, the teams who don't want to pay uh, the price that it's going to cost for Chickering, Lindholm, you know, and then maybe another group of teams who are just going into this looking for a second tier type guy, you know, those are the types of names they're going to want too. Jared, great piece up at the Athletic about Stanley Cup contenders, teams that are looking towards the playoffs and how they stack up against one another. As currently constructed, how do the Blues stack up against other potential playoff teams? Yeah, I think they stack up pretty well. And, you know, they, we've got a couple articles up. You know, one is uh, about a checklist. You know, what, what do you have the top center? Uh, you know, every Stanley Cup team has that type of guy. The Blues had it with uh, Ryan O'Reilly. It's kind of like a, a checklist story. Uh, you know, do you have the goaltender that can win the Stanley Cup? Of course, we know that Jordan Bennington won a Stanley Cup. Maybe not to that level right now. Uh, you do have uh, Billy Huso, who's played well. Can he be that guy? So I think the Blues, you know, could have the goaltending but I think it all comes down to this defense. And, you know, Colton Preco, I think, has played better. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Nico Mikula has been good at times, but that's why we keep saying they probably need to add uh, a top pair guy to go with Colton Preco. I think you're fine with your second pair with, with Krug and Falk. And if you add somebody, it's going to have a trickle-down effect and put somebody into that third pairing. And so I think your, your depth would be good there. So, Michelle... You know, the Colorados, they're probably on a different level. Uh, I think uh, you just you, know, you get to the second round, you take your chance with, uh, with those guys. Uh, but I think to get through that first round, the Blues are definitely going to have to add somebody uh, to get into that next round. Does the Blues approach or their ability to approach Monday change with Bozak on long-term injured reserve? Yeah, so that's a tough one. Uh, four weeks, he gets reevaluated with that lower body injury. Um, we did not see a call up yesterday. I'd imagine there could be one today. Uh, you know, is Dakota Joshua a guy they bring up? They weren't excited with uh, his last few games, Randy, uh, just kind of a lack of physicality. And, you know, that's what uh, he needs to bring. Um, you know, does he kind of get the wake up call that he had an opportunity and, and didn't play well? And they were, you know, kind of public about what they needed from him. You know, that could be the case. But the one thing is, I respect Tyler Bozak. I think he is a very quality, uh, responsible player. Obviously, he's a Stanley Cup uh, guy. I, I think that, you know, that fourth line, it's got a new identity with the McKenzie McEachrins, with the uh, Alex Torepchenkos. And so, you know, Tyler Bozak, does he bring it every night? And does he, uh, you know, fit that role? I think those are two different questions. I think you can count on him. Uh, but I do think that if you can get another guy in there who brings physicality like a Dakota Joshua, if it's him, you know, then I think that brings an extra element to that line. JR, always love having you on. Have a great day, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good uh, holiday here. You too. That is uh, St. Patrick's Day. Hopefully the Blues will be wearing their green warm-up jerseys tonight. By the way, the wear under the green jerseys Twitter poll yes. is down to the final four, Michelle. It is. People wow. can go to uh, my Twitter at, uh, at Randy Carricker. K-
K-A-R-R-A-K-E-R. And you can always follow Michelle on Twitter and on the Insta at M. Smallman. So we've got the A's and the Celtics as one Final Four matchup at the moment. The A's leading Boston 54.4% to 45.6. And the other semifinal, Michelle, is Notre Dame and the Packers. And Notre Dame has an early 53-47 to lead over Green Bay. I just cast my vote. That's good to hear. I like that. Who'd you go with? I took the Celtics over the A's, mm-hmm. and I took Notre Dame over the Packers. I mean, it is St. Patrick's Day after all. It We're really talking about is. the Fighting Irish. Yes, and the Celtics have a shamrock on their yeah. uniform. I mean, come on here. To get to the Final Four, the A's beat Oregon. The Celtics knocked off Hawaii. Notre Dame over the Cardinals' green St. Patrick's Day jerseys. Mm. And it was the Packers over the Eagles. Trounced them. Trounced them. Trounced them. Even though I had a picture of Chris Long. You'd think that would at least get a few hometown votes. You'd think so. Yeah. But it didn't work. Well, maybe it did get a few, but not enough. Well, it's Philadelphia's own fault. They go back to the Kelly Green jerseys. Those were they, nice. might, they might actually win, yeah, win the, one of these freaking polls. The Vermeil. The, the way color. the NFL teams just shoot themselves in the foot by not using the yeah. best jerseys, it, it, it never never ceases to amaze me. It's amazing. Creamsicles. Amen. Yeah. Finally, they're bringing those back as a throwback. Eventually, if they just win a couple games in those creamsicle jerseys, I think we might have a chance of them bringing them back full time. Yeah. And by the way, if you're out and about today and tonight, make good choices on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, be responsible. That's all we're asking. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, an early edition of You're Killing Me, Smalls on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. 904 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, and it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, coaches and managers, they're always trying to find ways to inspire their teams and to galvanize teams into thinking that they can do the impossible, right? We saw that recently in a television show, Ted Lasso, who put up a sign that said believe. Believe. And everyone on on the team would have to hit the believe sign before they left to go out to the pitch. So Mets manager Buck Showalter was asked if he would put up a sign like Ted Lasso that said believe to bring his team together and inspire. Here's what he had to say. I'm not big on Putting all these sayings up around, you know, Mark Twain, you know, because they read them one time and then they're just wall space. But I would have one if I put it up, it said play better. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I mean, really, you control it. Play better. And no place can turn the page on that better than where we play. But you control it. It's like, you know, you try to, through the process eliminate sympathetic ears you know you'd love to get to the point where well let me go talk to pete he'll listen he don't want to hear it let me go talk to uh robbie don't want to hear it let me go after a while it's just you know what i guess i gotta go play better not believe play better makes all the sense in the world to me I, i love that approach yeah just play better just play better if you don't like it play better right but so, I understand what Buck Showalter is saying. Sometimes you have the quotes all over the facility, and you read it once, and then it becomes white noise. You yeah. don't really pay attention to it anymore. Right. You need to have a culture or a phrase. And it also has to be something that people understand and buy into. Like, 
Mike Martz's first year as a head coach, he had Max Q. And then he had this picture in the hallway of a rocket ship taking off and a long explanation of what Max Q was and no, is. Too much. And yeah, players weren't going to stop and read that. So what you need to do is have one word or two word phrase that defines your culture and then go with that. That's the classic TLDR. Too long, didn't read. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. I, that's the story of my life. <laughs> Too long to read. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I get emails and I'll open it and I'm like, you know what? This is just for another time. Yep. You get glassy eyed. You definitely do. Yep. So in St. Louis sports, what's the saying that really stuck? I feel like with the Blues and the Cardinals, a lot of times it's things that happen externally that just kind mm-hmm. of become a thing. Or like the Battlehawks could call, right? That wasn't right. a quote or a saying, but it was just something that kind of naturally happened. The Cardinals, happy flight. I feel like there's right. never really been. Play Gloria. Play Gloria. Never really been something internally that the team parrots out to the fan base or the media. No. I, it's hard for me to think of one. Maybe Come grow with us? Oh, man, no. No. <laughs> 65780, if you remember one. That, like, a coach had a phrase. Yeah. yeah John Davidson had come grow with us. That was not very effective. Mm, I don't remember any Rams sayings other than the Rams rules. Yeah, it's Rams. Those. Oh, yeah, Rams I can't forget that. the only one we could talk about. The Rams We say rules. sack. Embarrassing. You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, what do you think the best gig in sports is? If you could just off the top of your head say. This oh, is- I think I know what this is. I think it's a former Mizzou quarterback. You bet you. You better believe it is. Chase Daniel is has the best gig in sports. He signed a one-year, $2 million contract with the Chargers. Okay, that inclu- then maybe it's Joe Buck. That includes a... <laughs> True, but Joe Buck has to work it's true. a lot. He does. Uh, that includes a $1.12 million fully guaranteed portion of the contract. This pushes his career earnings just north of $41 million, despite throwing just 261 passes in his career. I heard yesterday that if during the course of the next season behind Justin Herbert, Daniel does not throw a pass, during his career he will may have made $150,000 per pass attempt. Attempt. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) So Joe Buck probably makes, well, we know he makes uh, a lot more money. Reports are 15 mil. Annually, correct. But Joe is on the biggest stage of sports Mm -hmm. and he has to deal with all the hatred from fans if he messes up the spotlight is squarely on him he never messes up but if he did it would be squarely on him Chase Daniel just gets to chill he just gets to be a good teammate keep his body in check make sure that he knows the playbook he doesn't have to get hit there's no pressure on Chase Daniel and think about this now he did have his time in Detroit but he spent a good portion of his career in New Orleans he was in Philly. He was in KC, Detroit, uh, and then and now LA. I think that's it. He I'll he's had a pretty good run in terms of. Did where, you mention New Orleans? Yeah, okay, where to be a backup? Maybe you're backing up Breeze. You're backing up Alex Smith in in Kansas City. You were kind of the mentor for Carson Wentz for a while. Did I, did I miss one? New Orleans, Kansas City, Philly, New mm-hmm. Orleans again, Chicago, Detroit, L.A. She for, forgot about Chicago yes. where he tried to mentor Mitch Trubisky, but another great town. Yeah. So he's, he's been pretty good for a guy that wasn't drafted. It's a pretty good career. Great gig if you can get it. No doubt. You kill 
calling me small. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, a lot happening on the Deshaun Watson front. We talked yesterday about how the Browns swooped in and were very active meeting with Desha- uh, Deshaun Watson, trying to get him to waive his no trade clause. Then Baker Mayfield dropped that. This isn't cryptic, but yet it's riddled with cryptic messaging mm-hmm. message on social media. And a lot of people were wondering what that meant for the future of Baker Mayfield. Chris Mortensen was on NFL Live and talked about the Browns' thought process in speaking with Deshaun Watson. I read it. But here's the thing. And I take the end. Listen, I agree. Diana's got this right. I, I believe it's, they're breaking up, uh, regardless of whether or not Deshaun Watson ends up in Cleveland. And the one thing I was told is that it's just not a match emotionally, whereas Baker Mayfield's passion and emotional re- leadership was embraced at Oklahoma. And even in the beginning with the Browns, mm. things have changed. And they want what they consider an adult at that position. And that the Baker Mayfield probably is going to be moved. I, I think Seattle may end up being a candidate, certainly for Baker Mayfield. Other people may say the Colts. Uh, and then who's an adult? Well, listen, Jimmy Garoppolo is scheme friendly. And yes, he has a shoulder uh, recovery. You know, so does Baker Mayfield. But Jimmy Garoppolo is one I would not ignore for Cleveland. That's that's one I'm going to just put out there. But I do agree with Diana that this is going to this is a breakup about to happen. So. A breakup about to happen, but that they viewed Deshaun Watson, the guy with 22 (laughs) sexual misconduct accusations as him, as more of an adult than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, that's that's a pretty bold statement to make about Baker Mayfield, isn't it? I was just going to say, is that... If more, I'm assuming, is getting that from someone Mm -hmm. in Cleveland, what an indictment on Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And I do think that Pete Carroll... And Baker Mayfield might be a better personality match. Now, this is interesting because if Watson winds up going to Cleveland and Mayfield winds up going to Seattle and Atlanta still has Matt Ryan and, well, Watson wouldn't go to, it'd be Garoppolo to Cleveland, right? So yes. where did, is Deshaun in Atlanta then? Or Carolina? Or New Orleans? I'm just trying to think of... It's going to be musical chairs. Yeah. <laughs> as long as somebody's going to have to find a seat there at the end. The team that messed up the most in this process is Washington. The team that might come out smelling like a rose and being closer to the Super Bowl than any of these teams that switched quarterbacks, if Matt Ryan goes to Indy, that might be the perfect match because they've got a good defense. They've got a good offensive line. They've obviously got Jonathan Taylor and Ryan is old. He's an adult. He's made big plays. He's played in the Super Bowl. Indy might be sitting pretty, pretty. Get it? Pretty, pretty. Pretty, pretty. If Watson winds up in Atlanta. If you're Indy, would you rather take a chance on Jimmy G or on Matt Ryan? I'd rather take a chance on Matt Ryan because... Jimmy G, much like Carson Wentz, makes catastrophic mistakes. Ryan just doesn't make those mistakes. And that's what they need. They they, they just need somebody right now in Indy that doesn't make mistakes. Jimmy G's younger. He's he's been a proven winner everywhere he's gone. I love Jimmy G. I'm a fan. But I think if I were in this in Frank Reich's shoes with the pressure, I'd rather, especially after what I went through last year, yeah. I'd rather have the guy that I don't think is going to throw the catastrophic interception at a bad time. Okay, circling back to the Baker Mayfield portion of this conversation, 
as Mort said, as Diana Rossini said, this is a divorce. After mm-hmm. after they go out and speak with Deshaun, after Baker posts that on social media, I don't think Baker can go back there. Even if Deshaun doesn't end up in Cleveland, how do you mend that fence between both parties? You've essentially told him, we don't think you're good enough. He's said goodbye to the city yeah. on social media, even though it's, quote, not a goodbye, and he doesn't know where the future holds, what the future holds. But I don't think you can mend that fence. So then what does that mean for Baker? If you're Indy, are you intrigued by Baker? There's some situations out there that... Yeah. I just think both parties are best off starting fresh. Well, I I agree. Let's go back to your take it or leave it and what Mort said. Would you rather roll the dice on Drew Locke or Baker Mayfield? Mm, That's tough. Because I think from what I've seen... From a talent standpoint, I would go with Baker, but mm-hmm. I also think Drew Locke was not in a great position, so I don't really know if I've seen enough from Drew Locke yet. And whether it's Baker's fault or not, there always seems to be a lot of drama surrounding him. It uh, And, you know, I don't know if he knows what Mort said, that apparently someone in Cleveland is saying he's not adult enough mm-hmm. for them. I don't know how then you turn and say Deshaun Watson is, that he's going to be a better face of your franchise than Baker Mayfield. That, I think, is ridiculous. But if that was something that Baker Mayfield knew, don't you think then you would not post the cryptic social mm-hmm. media, I'm begging for attention, social media posts? You're feeding into exactly what they're saying about you. And Michelle, this goes back to what we talked about. Clearly, the NFL is going to their quarterbacks and saying, <laughs> be in a soap opera. You know what we need is some drama out of Jimmy G. His name's getting thrown around there. We need him to post it, something him, cryptic on social media. We need him him to start dating again. Maybe he By is way, dating. We just don't know it. Jimmy G on a, uh, is it a Subway commercial? He's on a national. He's got an endorsement, even though he doesn't really have a team. I saw on social media, standby, he yeah. had another endorsement that he was doing. Maybe it wasn't day. Subway. I saw it yesterday. Hold on. Here he is. Standby. We're pulling it up. Um... Travis Matthew, all over social media. He's doing ads for Travis Matthew as well. Love it. Good for him. Great gear. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. That is your Killing Me Smalls. Coming up next, Paul B. and Cardi of ESPN on the NCAA Tournament on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. NCAA tournament starts in a couple of hours and first round action is scheduled for throughout the day today and tomorrow 101 ESPN will getting in on the will be getting in on the fun as BKM Ferrario and the Fastlane are going to watch the games at Max Downtown Alton. Going to be broadcasting both today and tomorrow live from Max with BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2 in the Fastlane from 2 to 6. Delicious food, the coldest beer, 101 ESPN giveaways, plenty of screens to watch all the first round madness and more. BK and Ferrario and the Fastlane both live today and tomorrow for the tourney at Max in downtown Alton. And Michelle, we should also notice or note that. If folks haven't provided their bracket yet for Bracket Madness on 101ESPN.com, do it within the next couple of hours. It's brought to you by Twin Peaks and Bud Light. You can fill out your tourney bracket at 101ESPN.com. Free to enter, and this year's top score is going to take home a $250 Fanatics gift card. Must be 21 plus and a resident of Missouri or Illinois. The first round starts today, so get signed up within the next hour, hour and a half. Bracket Madness at 101ESPN.com. 
All right, so let's uh, take a look. We, we've been doing our brackets throughout the course of the week. So uh, let's give you our final fours. Michelle, you want to... Uh, uh, today we ran through the South region, and uh, you and I both had Illinois coming out. We're not homers. But, yes, I am. Okay, you are. I definitely am. I am. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Okay. Um, here's the thing. I'm picking Illinois because I I love them and I went to school there and I think that they do have a chance. They're a team that could absolutely make a run to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. But if I wasn't picking with my heart and my head and strictly my head, I would probably have Arizona coming out of the South. They're a very, very good They're team. really good, yeah. But if Illinois beats Arizona, they can beat anybody. Agree? Agreed. Okay, so yes, we both have Illinois coming out of the South. Uh, we do, yeah. Uh, let's take a look. <laughs> At the East, then, and I have Kentucky and UCLA, as we mentioned the other day, in my regional final, and I have Kentucky going to the final four, Michelle. You do? Yeah. Okay, let me pull up my bracket here. So I have UCLA going against Purdue in the Elite Eight, and I think Jaden Ivey is going to be the star of the tournament, and I have Purdue advancing to the final four. Okay. I actually wound up having two twos and two fours. I don't have a number one. As we as we go up to the west, I've got Coach K with uh, some some high drama in his last season. I have a one, two, three, and four. Really, in the okay. final four, yes. I have actually Duke getting upset in the second round by Michigan State. A Tom Izzo special there. Um, I have Gonzaga walking to the final four. I have Gonzaga over Texas Tech. Gonzaga is really good. They're just, they've been so good for such a long time. I just wonder if they can keep it up. That's my my only question for them is, and granted, it's a completely different team than it was last year, but man, that's a lot of pressure just to continue to display the excellence that they have displayed. Best offense in the country. I think that if you look at some of these matchups, they might have, it could potentially be one of the easier paths to the final Mm -hmm. four. And I don't know if I'm looking at this Duke team and potentially not giving them enough credit because of the UNC loss and some of the other losses that they've had this season. But I just look at that team, and even though they have a ton of NBA talent on that team, there's so much pressure. Coach K's mm-hmm. final run. Yeah. There's going to be all of these storylines. There's going to be so, so much chatter around the fact that they have to get this done for Coach K that I think it might be too much for them. And I'm just I'm looking at the story. I'm probably looking beyond what you just talked about, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, it'll be a great story, and that's probably why I'm rooting for it. It would be a wonderful story. Yeah. And then uh, in the other region, let's see, what have we? What, what do we not have? We, we've got the East. Oh, we we don't have the uh, the Midwest. Who do you have coming out of the Midwest? Auburn. That's what I have too. So my two twos and my two fours wind up being Duke and Kentucky. My two twos out of the left side of the bracket, and then Auburn and Illinois out of the right side of the bracket. I have my one seed in Gonzaga coming out of the West, my two seed in Auburn coming out of the Midwest, my three seed in Purdue out of the East, and the number four seed Fighting Illini coming out of the South. So do you think somebody's going to win? Well, somebody will definitely win, yes. Okay, good. So who are you going with? Yeah, I think there will be a champion. I have Gonzaga (laughs) beating Purdue even though that one is such a coin flip for me. I have Gonzaga beating Purdue to go to the national championship game. And then I would just never be able to sleep at night, Randy, if I didn't pick Illinois and they went on to win the national championship for the Mm -hmm. first time in school history. Mm -hmm. So I have Illinois over Auburn, Illinois cutting down the nets. Okay. And I sadly have your fighting Illini losing in the final four. And I have Coach Cal 
with a veteran, experienced team. Wow. I have an SEC championship game, Kentucky and Auburn. And I have the scoundrel winning. The scoundrel? Bruce Pearl. <laughs> I was going to say, who? who yeah, which scoundrel are we talking about? Which, which, which the scoundrel yeah. in that game? I'm not I, sure who I, you're I've talking about. I've got Bruce Pearl winning. Michelle, can you talk me off the ledge? Because I didn't realize I did this when I did it, but... Three of my four Final Four teams are Big Ten teams. So I I had a very tough time in the Midwest picking Auburn over Iowa. I picked Iowa, so I have... Iowa's I'm, a really good team. But I did this last year. I leaned on the Big Ten. It was, you know, it was biased because I watched the Big Ten all the time, but they did have the best conference in college basketball mm-hmm. last year. I thought the Big Ten was going to make a lot of noise, and they did, but just negative noise. Uh, had a terrible showing in the tournament last year, the Big Ten did. So I didn't want to make that same mistake again, which is why I think I picked Auburn over Iowa, even though I could easily see Iowa winning that game. And you know who another team that I wonder if it's going to come back to bite me, Randy, is UCLA, a team that went on a run mm-hmm. last year. I could easily see UCLA beating Purdue and going into the Final Four. I've got them in the regional final against Kentucky. And, and again, I'm going with brand names totally here, aren't I? When, when you're looking at Duke and UCLA and Kentucky and Auburn and Illinois, I'm, I've got brand names throughout. Well, once we get to the Final Four, there's a reason yeah. these are higher-seated teams for a reason. Yep. They're better. <laughs> right. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up, Greg Amzinger is down in Arizona for spring training. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Together Credit Union, here for St. Louis, here to help you achieve more with your money. When the lockout ended last week on the very first day of teams being able to make transactions, Jerry DePoto, the general manager of the Mariners, was asked if he was ready to go. And he said, I woke up ready to transact. <laughs> and uh, I, I said on the show here, I thought that the Mariners were a team to look out for in terms of going for it. And it seems as if they are. And our friend Greg Amzinger doing 30 teams in 30 days for MLB Network is down in the Mariners dugout in Arizona and joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Hi, Greg. How you doing? I am doing really well. I'm excited about this team. All the clubs that we go visit, I, I kind of examine the roster. I see the upside. I see more upside here. Uh, over almost any team in the American League. That's how young and talented their outfield happens to be. Uh, this Julio Rodriguez kid, really pay attention to him. Look him up. He's my pick to win Rookie of the Year in the American League over Bobby Witt Jr. There's a lot to be excited about. We're going to start our interviews in about 20 minutes, talking to Robbie Ray, Mitch Haniger. I look forward to it. This is going to be an exciting team. Well, Greg, I want to ask you about Chris Bryant. He and the Colorado Rockies in agreement on a seven-year, $182 million contract. I can't decide which side I think it makes less sense for. Chris Bryant wanting to go to Colorado or Colorado shipping out Nolan Arenado to sign Chris Bryant to this deal? Uh, Everyone I've been talking to, uh, no one can put their finger as to what is the reason why this came to be. Uh, I'll say this. If you're Chris Bryant, you've already won the most famous World Series title in the last 50 years with the Cubs winning the World Series. Uh, Maybe he looks at it like, okay, A, I'm looking for the most money available. Check. Uh, B, man, I I could probably be a Hall of Famer now. Like my, my individual numbers, I might be the modern day Larry Walker. 
I'm not I'm not going to go to the postseason, but I've already won the World Series with the Cubs, broke the curse. So why not just hit 40 bombs a year at Coors? I already won an MVP. I was a star player outside of Coors Field. So that moniker is not going to be attached to me. Why not go to Coors Field for the remainder of my career, tear the cover off the ball, and I'll be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done? That sounds like incentive to me. Sounds like it makes sense to me. We come from St. Louis, so we're thinking winning titles, going to October, that kind of stuff. It might not be in play for everyone. And, Greg, in that division, the Dodgers signed Freddie Freeman. The Giants are loading up again. They signed Jock Peterson. A lot of people here in St. Louis wanted the Cardinals to pursue him. The Giants also uh, have really reinforced their pitching staff. Of the teams in the West, let's just start the National League West. Who do you think has done a, the best job this so far offseason of getting their team close to the World Series? I love what the Giants did. Again, Carlos Martinez, Martinez, Matt Boyd, you go get Carlos Rodon, who I think is going to be the 2023 version of Robbie Ray, like a guy that you saw figure it out and then kind of got fatigued from pitching so well, throwing a no-hitter, and he his mechanics are, are perfected now for him, a lot like Robbie Ray. And when a left-hander figures it out later on in their career – they could be the, you know, look at Al Leiter's career. He pitched very effectively until he's 37, 38 years old because he developed a cutter. I think the San Francisco Giants are the king of the, the, the reclamation project in their starting staff. I expect these guys to be really, really competitive. Um, as for the Dodgers, they're going to win the division. I still don't think the San Francisco Giants can, can win more games than they won last year. Will they win 90? I think they have a good shot of doing that. But the Dodgers, I mean, that is, that is one crazy lineup. I mean, Trey Turner in a walk year hitting between <laughs> Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Are you kidding me? With Max Muncy an afterthought at second base? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the best team, not just in the National League, but I think the Dodgers, with what they did with Freddie Freeman, made themselves a World Series favorite. That's how good they got. Hey, Greg, because I still have Andres Galarraga PTSD from his his one bad year was because of a broken wrist here in St. Louis. And I still think no hitter can come back in less than a year from a broken wrist. And obviously I'm referring to, to Fernando Tatis. Andres Galarraga has scarred me for life with the broken wrist. That was painful, wasn't it? Because then he leaves and he becomes great. It was almost like Terry Pendleton leaving yeah. and becoming an MVP. That stuff hurts, man. It stings hard. But, yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that with the San Diego Padres. Fernando Tatis isn't leaving after this injury. Actually, we're covering tomorrow in Arizona uh, the San Diego Padres. Yonder Alonso, who is uh, my cohort here in Arizona, he'll be doing that in San Diego. I'm gonna, I don't know what time this is going to be, but I'm going to be at the Chris Bryant press conference uh, doing that. So we're kind of just covering everything, where the news is. If there's a Freddie Freeman press conference today, we're going to that. We're going to leave um, Peoria, Arizona, and head over and check out the uh, Freddie Freeman press conference and cover it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But Fernando Tatis, I'm bummed, man. Seriously, motorcycle, why? My brother Rich got on a motorcycle, bought one. I don't know if he's having a midlife crisis. <laughs> and I was like, Rich, you don't need to do this, man. He drives the motorcycle home in Manhattan. It's wet pavement, slips, falls, breaks his collarbone in three places. Mm. And he took the motorcycle back and then had to pay for the damages. I know a lot of people listening love their motorcycles. But if you sign a $340 million contract to keep your wrists and your hands and your legs and your arms all healthy and good so you can hit a baseball, don't get on a motorcycle. At least we know he'll never do it again. He, he knows when his last ride on a motorcycle was. 
you'll never see him on a motorcycle again. Billy Joel had a motorcycle accident, broke his hand and his wrist, and they thought that he would never play the piano again. They thought that and his that, career that was going to end. Oh, my goodness, that's so bad. Yeah. Aren't you surprised that there's something in his contract that doesn't prohibit him from doing stuff like that? We see all the time you can't ski, you, all, you, all of these things that mm-hmm. athletes can't do in the offseason so that their bodies are protected. I'm just kind of surprised that a motorcycle isn't in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised if it was in the mix, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think it could be in the mix. And the reason no one's talking about it is uh, we would know if it was in the mix if they voided the contract. That can happen. If, if you go against the language of a deal and you get injured, they could void the contract. But if you're the San Diego Padres, you're going, if we void this contract, what are the chances he's playing for the Dodgers yeah, right. Four years. <laughs> so I think they want to hold on to the guy, even though he fell off a motorcycle. Well, let's stick with injury talk, Greg, but unfortunately swing to the St. Louis Cardinals. So we know Alex Reyes isn't going to be ready for opening day. Jack Flaherty still awaiting a firm diagnosis on his shoulder. Where's your level of panic when it comes to the state of the Cardinals pitching, knowing that Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes are dealing with some injuries? Yeah, I was a little concerned. I was talking to my producer, Ben, on the way over here because uh, the Jack Flaherty thing really makes me uneasy about the, the front end of this, this rotation. Yeah, this is an ace you're talking about. He, he, he's your horse. He's the guy that you're expecting to be the Cardinals' version of Walker Bueller, finally. Uh, a guy that wants to throw 200 innings. He wants to win every game he starts. I would, I would kick the tires on a trade. And there are two guys out in Oakland. Oakland clearly sellers. Uh, with Chapman gone, Olsen gone, Bassett gone. I think Frankie Montas, who is a, a swing and miss guy, a uh, former all-star, and a guy I absolutely love, Sean Minaya. Uh, if you, you kids at home that don't know who John Candelaria is, Randy, Michelle, I know you know, the candy man. Yes, he pitched for the Pirates, had really long arms and deception. Didn't throw really hard as a lefty, but just deception, a lot like Madison Bumgarner. I think Sean Minaya would be a terrific addition to the Cardinals, they may have to consider this because as I look at the free agents that are available, I don't think anyone moves the needle for John Mosellock, but the deal, a, a deal can be done and Oakland is clearly selling. So uh, with this injury, not knowing, having a question mark, I'd put a package together. I would call the A's and see if you can add an arm. Greg, 1983, the Cardinals raised the banner at Bush Stadium. John Candelaria on the mound. And uh, the Cardinals have this catch us if you can. They stole all the bases. They had a song for 1983 and everything. Candelaria comes in in the, comes in in the opener and just shoves. Complete game four hitter. He allows one run <laughs> and just stuck it to the Cardinals and ruined opening day of 1983 after they had won the World Series in 1982. Wow, look at you. Total recall. That that must have been a traumatic moment. It was an lady. exceptionally <laughs> traumatic moment for me, Mr. Amzinger. No, you weren't working as an usher, were you? Were you in the ballpark? I was in the ballpark. I was on the actually on the other so I sent you that picture of me at first base. For that game I was at third base. I was on the in, in, at the third base dugout. Oh, Randy character. And just witnessing you got to see Cardinal Nation really aggravated up close at a young age. I and did. It gave you incredible experience for being a sports talk radio superstar because now you <laughs> deal with that same rage daily. And that experience. 
experience back in the 80s got you ready for this. It really did. So, Michelle, uh, Michelle and Greg, I got to tell you this quick story because I put that picture up on Instagram and somebody responded, said, Randy, you looked really serious. Game two, Greg, of the 1982 World Series. It was the game where Steve Braun took the bases loaded walk in the eighth and the Cardinals were able to win it. But it's a close game, fifth inning. It's, what, 40 degrees, 38 degrees. I start getting dizzy and sweaty. I had to go back to the usher's room and throw up. I was so nervous. Really? Yeah, I had to miss an inning because I was just so messed up. So I, I came back and I was fine. But literally, I I was just nauseous because I couldn't handle the pressure of the World Series. Wow. Are you, sure? Are you sure you didn't have, you didn't have the flu, Randy? Are you no. sure you, you were No, I, I came back and by the time Steve Braun took that walk, I was fine. But I, I was just so nervous wow. and I was a mess. But look at you rallying. What a gamer. Oh, I wasn't going to miss the World Series. <laughs> oh, wow. You'll, you'll tell your grandkids of this story of, of, of just being a true hero, Randy. Greg, it was my flu game. It was my Jordan it was moment. Your flu game. <laughs> now, now, the real question is how did you perform as an usher after you threw up? Because that's what everyone needs to know. Yeah. You know, Jordan didn't miss a shot after, he, after halftime because he was vomiting. How did Randy usher? Like, how was your level of ushering? Well, let me tell you this. I was in a fortunate spot. Bowie Coon and Gussie Bush didn't jump down onto the field. I was, didn't have to pre- prevent them from jumping down onto the field. Oh, <laughs> Although, what a sight for sore eyes that would have been, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You got that right. <laughs> Randy character tackling Gussie Bush. <laughs> I kind of wish that would have happened. That would have been unreal. Uh, last thing from oh, me, Greg. Man. I wanted to ask you about the Reds. They're clearly having a fire sale, breaking everything down. I feel so badly for Joey Votto. It just feels like Joey Votto deserves better than this. I want to start the free Joey Votto movement. You know, wait a minute. You can't have a free Joey Votto movement if he doesn't want to leave. And Joey Votto had a moment uh, a couple of years ago, actually, where the Blue Jays, because he's from Canada, they love that. They want to make him Canada's superstar baseball player. They wanted to trade for Joey Votto, and he said no. He didn't want that much attention. He likes being in the little bubble of the Cincinnati, Ohio market, and he's okay. There are certain players, their incentive isn't what we think it should be. And I'm not saying he's in a in a in baseball obscurity, but he's gone through this before where they build, they spend money, and then they go, Oh hell, it didn't work. So they trade all the pieces around Joey Votto. He's he's lying in the bed that he signed to lay in. And <laughs> he could have left and he said no. So of all the players, there are a lot of players I feel bad for. There are guys that really want to win. Nolan Arenado for a long time was at the top of that list for me. When he was at the Rockies, he wanted to win so badly. The, the, the franchise didn't match that desire. Joey Votto is not one of those people. I don't think you need a free Joey movement because he would ask you kindly to take that down from social media. <laughs> I just want to see him yeah. in a position where he can win. I agree. I want to see I, 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 if I was putting a list together of players that I would prefer to see in October, I would put Mike Trout and Shoei Otani over Joey Votto. Hold on a second. 
Hey, Greg, got, one I've last. Got, I've got alarms going off everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you you have interviews. I want to do. I want to get one more team from you because I kind of like not, not kind of like I really like what Philadelphia has done. I, I like their rotation with Wheeler and Nolan and uh, local guy uh, Kyle Gibson. I like the addition of Schwarber. I think they need to go out and get a shortstop if they get Story w- with their outfield. I think their offense is good enough. What do you think of what Philadelphia has done? I love the Philadelphia Phillies. Joe Girardi, one of my dear friends, uh, he, we've been texting back and forth, and he goes, I know everyone in this division is buzzing about Buck Showalter's New York Mets. He's like, Greg, I promise you, we've got the best team over here in Philadelphia. He loves the way they look in camp. He thinks all the young guys are starting to put it together finally. Um, you know, this is a team that said that Alec Bohm kid, I, I, I've watched this kid take batting practice in person. Randy, the ball jumps off his bat. He hit baseballs in front of me that uh, there's only one other player that took BP to hit a baseball with the same trajectory as this kid, and that is Mark Trumbo. Well, Mark Trumbo was in a a home run derby. Mark Trumbo had legit buggy whip power. I know he didn't develop into the hitter the Angels wanted him to be, but his power was second to none. Alec Bohm is that talented, former Wichita State shocker. He's great. Real Muto is the best catcher in baseball. I'm with you, man. They need one pleasant surprise in that starting rotation. They need a kid outside of the top two to step up and have a breakout year. If they get that or if they acquire that, uh, which I still think they're in the market to add pitching, I'm with you, man. I think the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets are going to go neck and neck try to win this. It's not just the Braves division anymore. It's not. When we watch MLB tonight, are we going to see any green worn by Greg Amsinger? Uh, green? No. Uh, I didn't even think about that. How about that? Holy smokes. I'm wearing red, a red polo. That's okay. You're a Cardinal fan. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm representing the Cardinals, even though I'm in Arizona. (laughs) How about that? I'm such a homer for the Cardinals. They don't even let me go to Florida anymore. You know, Scott Braun and D-Row are at Cardinals camp, and I'm over here hanging out with the Dodgers, and I'm like, guys, Uncle, please send me there. They're like, no, you're too much of a fanboy. Let's keep you out in Arizona. <laughs> well, the golf's good, so I can't complain. Yeah, Are you hitting them today? I am hitting them today, yes. Well, it depends. We don't know what time the Chris Bryant press conference. Oh, okay. So Yonder Alonzo and I are like biting our nails. But yesterday I played True North uh-huh. in, in North Scottsdale. Oh, my. It was gorgeous. One of the most beautiful golf courses I've ever played. True North. It's like bucket list, in my opinion, folks. If you can get out to Arizona, play true north. It's great. I'm happy for you and happy for us that we get to see you on MLB tonight covering spring training. Greg, thanks so much for the time. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, but I'm sure that we'll be communicating over the course of the next couple of days. Uh, you'll be sending me more pictures of you ushering from the 80s, I'm sure. <laughs> You're right, 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 buddy. <laughs> see you, man. Take care. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Joining us uh, from Peoria, Arizona, where Michelle... You don't really care about this. I do. They've closed down the Giordano's Pizza across from the ballpark. Oh, what? Yeah. How dare they? It's terrible. But they did, so nothing we can do about it now. Now we just have to, when we go down to Arizona, just get frozen one cent to Arizona. Hey, uh, we're giving away a $50 gift card to Ballpark Village to celebrate the grand reopening of the Budweiser Brew House. The Budweiser Brew House is St. Louis's iconic tap house and beer garden in the heart of Ballpark Village, and... It returns tomorrow. You can enjoy an exciting new menu, over 100 beers on tap, special appearances by Cardinals alumni Fred Bird, live music, and more. And if you are texter number 28, 
Mm. In honor of Nolan Arenado. Okay. Texture oh. number 28 in I honor of Nolan Arenado. I was going to go 50 in honor of the, yeah. the money they gave him. Or the money oh, the Cardinals yeah, that, got That would have been good. And you can tell us, uh, Michelle, what piece of clothing, what piece of green clothing are we expecting John Kelly to, to don tonight? But we can't share it, right? Because you have to text it in. Right. You have to text yeah. in. And... Uh, if you can tell us which piece of green clothing John Kelly is going to pull out of the closet for tonight's game and your texture number 28, you can get a $50 gift card to Ballpark Village and you can find a bonus chance to win a $50 gift card to BPV on the 101 mobile app or at 101ESPN.com. Coming up, Randy Carricker's all-time disappointing Cardinal pitching prospect list on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle, I hope that Jack Flaherty gets healthy and becomes a stud for the Cardinals. I do too, Randy. That's on my list of wishes as well. But here's what I'm thinking, unfortunately. Oh, gosh, what? I guess I'm generally negative. So I put together my all-time list of Cardinal disappointing pitching prospects. (laughs) Okay? Okay. Guys that uh, didn't have the career that I expected them to. Are we about to tempt fate? Yes. Okay, fair enough. And by the way, Matt wanted to have Jason Mott on this team. Jason Mott was too good for too long to be on this team. Check out those first three years of Jason Mott. First three full years. There's a name that I'm going to be interested to see if he's on this list. Here we go. Okay, let's go. My ace is Rick Ankeel. Okay. Okay, 11-7 and in his rookie year, 3.5 ERA, 194 strikeouts, Cardinal rookie record in 175 innings. Uh, also in my starting rotation, Alan Bennis, 13-10 and 10 in his rookie year, 191 innings pitched, but shoulder injuries prevented him from being what he could have been because he would have been a stud. Michael Walker, 4-1 mm-hmm, in his rookie year with the 2.78 ERA. Then he goes 4-1 in the playoffs and is the 2013 NLCS MVP. Injuries in his first full season shut him down. Joe McGrain, 9-7, 3.54 ERA in his rookie year, led the NLA. NL in ERA in his second year, 2.18, had 18 wins in his third year. Cardinals gave him number 32 because they thought he was so much like Steve Carlton. And then Joe McGrain uh, got hurt in his fourth year, had Tommy John surgery, never the same. Uh, John Fulgham, Pattonville product, first-round draft choice, 10-6 and six with a 2.53 in his rookie year with the Cardinals, goes down pitching at Louisville, slips and falls on a muddy, rainy mound, and tore up his shoulder. Never what he could have been. That's my rotation. Ankiel, Bennis, Waka, McGrain, and Fulgham. And in my bullpen, my closer is Mike Perez. In Lee Smith's last year in St. Louis, Mike Perez out of the bullpen, pitched the eighth inning, went 9-3 and three with a 1.84 ERA in 77 games. Cardinals moved him to closer the next year. 36 games and 8.71 ERA, never to be seen again. Cardinals' uh, top pitching prospect in the mid late 80s, mid-90s, uh, early 90s, was Alan Watson, uh, early 90s. 
top pitching prospect, one of the top pitching prospects in MLB. Three years with the Cardinals, 19 and 21 with a 5.07 ERA. Donovan Osborne had a really good rookie year, 11 and 9, 3.77. Never what he could have been. And Andy Rincon, three and one with a 2.61 ERA, just a stud, big, burly, strong horse pitcher. Gets hit on the forearm by a batted ball, breaks his arm, and is never the same. So, my rotation is Ankiel, Bennis, Waka, McGrain, Fulgham. In the bullpen, I have Alan Watson, Donovan Osborne, Andy Rincon, my closer, Mike Perez. And honorable mention here to Manny Ibar, who went 12 and 15 with the Cardinals. Cardinals turned down a trade of Manny Ibar for Kevin Brown. Didn't mm-hmm. work out. And then Bud Smith, but we can't, he got traded for Scott Rowland. So, there you go. Who did you expect to hear or see? Well, I was just curious if Carlos Martinez would be on the list. Too good. So, yes, I was going to say he obviously was productive for the Cardinals at times, but he was supposed to be—we called him Baby Pedro. Yeah, This we was did. supposed to be the ace, and right. yes, it's more than just inju- injuries that has sidelined Carlos yeah. ma- reaching his full potential, but he's definitely on the what-if list yeah. for me. The thing is, he had a four-year run where he was a top-five starter in the National League, and I just—I I can't—you're right, because we did expect him to be Pedro Martinez. Yes. But I just can't put him on there. Aaron Rincon, he was the unseen star. Andy, R- Andy Rincon. The, the unseen star of Moneyball, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Matthew. Uh, Brendan on St. Patty's Day is the winner of the $50 gift card to Ballpark Village. Don't forget that the Midday Show and then the Fast Lane are out at the uh, Max in Alton. A great job by our producer engineer, the one and only Matt Rocchio. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure, Andy. Michelle, this was fun. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'll see you guys tomorrow. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We're getting ready for a balloon party with T-Mac and Action Jackson for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.